Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am Andy Ruther coming to you live today from Koreatown, the Don't Tell Production Studio with my co-host, Joey. No chill, Prano. Good to see you, Andy. I'm very excited for our show today. Very exciting, Joe. We, 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 have, a, we have a guest today. He's a seven-year NFL vet, Pro Bowl running back, Super Bowl 45 champ. Happy to welcome Ryan Grant to the show. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. What's going on? Now, we met, Ryan, we met... Just a couple of weeks ago on the set of uh, Now We're Talking. Yeah. Now, now I got to ask, are you, like, how did you, how did you end up on that show? Are you moving into the acting world? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I actually had no idea what I was doing. A friend of mine, uh, who actually was a friend of Thomas as well, a friend of mine called me the night before and said, hey, um, I'm working for Uninterrupted. And they need some former guys to do some show or something. And literally, this is what she said. She need, they need some former guys to do some show or something. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? Like, give me something about it. And she was like, they're just doing some show, and they just need a couple guys to come in and talk. It's kind of like an interview process. You're going to be interviewed as yourself, um, but it's like a joke or something. Like, they're actors, but they're going to interview as yourself. And I was like, all right, well, how long is it? And she was like, from... 11, no, what'd she say, like, 9 to, like, a 4, something, like, something crazy, like, shoot, and I was like, no. She's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, that's so long. Like, I can't, yeah. I know, I have other stuff I have to do, like, I can't spend like, all the... Like, that's a day. Yeah, exactly, I was like, How no, long I don't is this have interview? that. And she, yeah, and she was like, it's not paid or anything, and I was like, nah, like, there's no way yeah. that I'm doing that for that. She was like, well, let me just, I was like, you don't really know, you don't really sound, you know, like you, what it's about, so... Uh, let me fucking talk to somebody else. She was like, you know, okay, I'll tell the producer or whatever to call you. So he, he texted me, he called me, and he was like, no, our, we're actually shooting from that time. We don't need you. Yeah. Like, literally, we need you for like an hour and a half. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And I was like, I don't care. What, like, whatever. It's for her. Like, she's my homie. And it's LeBron's production like company. Yeah, just so people know. So Uninter- Uninterrupted is LeBron's production company, which runs that show. Yeah. So um, once... They gave me a little detail. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, cool, I'll do it. Still not really knowing exactly what it was. And it wasn't until I walked the next day and they sent me, like, I guess the what was going to go on, the detail for the day. And I was like, oh, it's like a real, this is real. It's a TV show. Yeah. Well, you know what I thought? I woke up to an email that said, hey, can you bring a couple wardrobe options? And then I was like, what the fuck? Oh, this is real. Like, yeah. they're asking me to bring wardrobe options. I'm like... That's exactly like, how I felt when I showed up. I was yeah. like, oh, there's a lot of people here. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah I saw, like, a, this full set, like, yeah. you know, like a full crew. <laughs> but we we didn't fully know either. So we know we know Tug and Tommy, who created that show, and the yeah. stars, that we know them because we met them. Actually, they came on our show last year to promote it. And obviously, we became friends after that. But it was kind of the same way for us. They said, we want to put you guys in a scene. And, you know, we want to put podcasters. Okay. And they didn't give us... Nothing. They, they didn't yeah. give us any lines. Our whole scene, like, was your scene improvised or, or did you have lines? Oh, I didn't know. All I had was basically, yeah, scenario. And the scenario said that they basically tell us, they talk about something, and I'm supposed to say that the only, which we, it's funny, we didn't even talk about the shit that I was supposed to talk about. They were saying that I was supposed to say that the only people that can cr- criticize, only football players that can criticize certain guys are Hall of Famers. 
And we never even had to talk about that at all. But uh, we gave us a certain scenario, and then I think Thomas was supposed to say something else, and then we were supposed to run with it. But I didn't actually know until the lady came in that it was improv. Okay. And I was like, oh, that worked. I'm a big improver. I love improv. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's better. Um, once you give us some sort of, just give us something, and then we'll go around it. But, um, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool, I guess. Uh, you know, we just didn't know. I didn't even know Thomas was going to be there. I started seeing all the people. I saw Joy, Joy Taylor was going to be there. I think Carrie was there as well. Yeah. Earlier, yeah. Carrie earlier Champion, yeah. 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 Uh, so people that I hadn't seen in a while, um, Thomas especially, but it, it was cool, and I think it just worked out. Just so people know, uh, Thomas Jones. Thomas Jones, yeah, I yeah. apologize. Thomas it's all Jones. Good. Um, yeah, he's a guy I played with. I played with his brother in college, and then um, he, you know, he had a phenomenal career. I get a chance to play against him a couple times. And and now that I think you said that that on the behind the scenes of the show that we were that we were filming, you hadn't seen Thomas Jones right since. I saw Tom. The last time I saw Thomas Jones was two thousand and eleven. At the game we played against each other in Kansas City, and they ended up beating us. We were undefeated at that time, and uh, they beat us in the game. Fucking terrible game. And after the game, I remember saying, like, what's up, man? Like, how you doing? And he was like, I'm good. This is it for me. And there, I think we had, like, one game left in the regular season, and he was like, I'm shutting it down. So that's like when, you, when, when you're out there watching a, an NFL game and the, the, the clock runs down and everybody runs out to the middle field and everybody's helping. Yeah. Guys are telling people, like, it's my last year. Yeah, like exactly. I, yeah. I always think it's just like, what's up, bro? What's up, bro? And that's well, it. That's a lot it. of times, sometimes it is. You know, you, a lot of a, times that's a real conversation. Yeah, a lot of times it's really trivial, whatever. But if you know the guys, you know, you're having conversations about, you know, what they got going on. And stuff like that. You know, you see nowadays, I, I feel like, you know, it didn't happen as much when you played. Guys are now giving the jerseys and signing the jerseys of each other. Yeah, it was like right at the end. I think my last year was when what it became you, what like you a think? kind of a thing. I, I'll be honest. I think, it, I think that's kind of lame. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm not like I'm not really into it. It's not my thing. I'm not I really feel like into it. It's a it. soccer thing. You yeah, this is the thing. I also think that the internet and this generation is is very different. Um, it just is what it is, man. Like you know, you look at basketball players; they're like cool with each other. Yeah, it's very different from the night. You know, you hear this whole conversation. Very different from the '90s. The All Star yeah. game was in the '90s was still like. Oh, I'm gonna beat your ass. Yeah. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, if I don't fuck with you, I don't fuck with you. I don't care for it. Like, whatever. N- now it's like everybody's having fun. I appreciate it. It's just not my ne- my thing. And I kind of I understand what it is. Um, I get it. And there's appreciate. Like, I always had appreciation certain guys. Like, I don't care about jerseys regardless. So I don't give a fuck about your jersey. You know, cool. Like, you're my homie. My my one of my best friends was Justin Tuck. I don't give a fuck about his jersey. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I care about him, but I don't give a fuck about his jersey. Um, but, don't, but that's what I'm saying. Don't you think in a way, I mean, they can do what they want, but I just, from a competitive side, like, you can be cool with somebody after the game. I just think it's weird that afterwards you're going to go exchange jerseys, right, with the dude you just went. Just be friends. To some degree, uh, yeah, it's a little weird in the sense, I think some people can look at it and say that, like, and the heat of the moment is still there. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Because most of the time, well, not most, every time, one of those people lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they took a loss. And I would say that a lot of times it was, like, the people that you're seeing that actually give a fuck, that they care about the jerseys being swapped, are usually bigger, bigger name players. And, you know, people, the fans look at them like, oh, they should care a little more. Like, they have a little more invested in blah, blah, blah. And that's not necessarily the case. People always think that, oh, just because somebody's a better player or a top-notch player that they actually care more about the game or themselves. But also, people sometimes people are like, yeah, I want to win, but 
You know what I mean? I'm still getting paid. There's a whole bunch of things that come into play with it in regards to people's investment into, like, you know, the sport. Some guys were like, y'all don't care about none of this shit. I just want to win. Like, I don't care about being on TV. I don't care about the media. I just want to ball. I just want to play football. So they don't actually, like, they're just cool with the homies. Like, yeah, man, I cool with you and everything like that, but I just want to ball. Like, I don't care. I don't even really care if we we win games. I just want to play football. The fact that I can play ball is one thing. Some guys, for the most part, they probably know they ain't really winning anything regardless. So the only thing they do have is the relationships and stuff like that. You know, some guys, listen, I was just talking to my brother the other day. I'd be fucking pissed if I played my whole career and, like, was on a losing season every year. That's hard, man. Yeah. It's a, like, fuck. It's hard to come to work on Monday. Yeah, that's why you look at you look at these guys who who just a, a career brown or a career like yeah, man, that's bad business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, literally, it's 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 just it's unbelievable, and and it, it seems like it it breaks some guys, and other guys are just okay. I'm just doing my job, uh, but you look you look yeah, at even like with that man, it's, it feels because this is what happens. Football for majority of us, it's not just our job. Like, we've been doing this since we were local. We love it. That's why we're able to be graded, and that's why we put so much work into it. Like, anything. Once it becomes your job, you're going to do less. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what it is. Once you think of it as your job, it's going to become less. When you start to think of it, uh, when you always think of it as, this is what I really what I want to do, whether it be my craft, I just really enjoy it, this is what I'm passionate about, you're going to do more. You're going to put in more than whatever the fucking coach says. Once you think, of, yo, this is just my job, then fucking I'm going to... And I think that on teams that it's like almost natural that on teams where they just don't fucking win and the expectation isn't even necessarily of, of a winning tradition, something gives. Their play get Like, you know what I mean? The, everything yeah. just start the whole mentality around everybody. And that's why everything's top down. Like, you look at an organization, you can tell. Like Detroit, plain and simple. Detroit's every year, they always have talented teams. Always. We used to laugh and be like, they'd be like, oh, the talent is crazy. Be like, yeah, they're still going to suck. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with the fact of whether or not they have good players. Well, that's why I always say that about guys. You see guys that come into the league and, and people say, oh, they were a bust or they came out of nowhere. And I'm always like, it kind of depends on where you end up, too. Like, you were an undrafted, yeah, yeah. you were an undrafted free agent. You, you, you end up with the Giants, which mm-hmm. is an organization that's, you know, well run yeah, yeah. and then you end up on the Packers another organization it's like if, if, if you're a undrafted free agent and the Browns pick you up do you think you last 10 years in the league I yeah, mean I don't know man it's it's you know it's, there's a bunch of guys number one that could get it done in the league and don't doesn't happen regardless and yeah opportunity is a really interesting thing because um who knows you know fortunately I got put to the Packers and unfortunately, I went to the Giants, and I was an organization that I was very fortunate to be a part of organizations that actually were good, run well, had, like, knew how to do things, did things the quote-unquote right way. And, um, you know, I was opportunity worked out for me on the Packers. Yeah, I got guys that every year, one-year deals, two-year deals, fighting every single year, you know. Well, let's talk about how you just started in the first place. Obviously, you went to Notre Dame, and yeah. you're an undrafted free agent. Uh, do you end up on the Giants because you're a New York Jersey boy? Is it? I know uh, the Giants are always drafting guys at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, how do How do they approach you, and how does that? How do you end up on on my New York Giants? Well, uh, yeah, well, because I didn't get drafted. Fucking bullshit draft. Um, no. Uh, Let's take it back a notch. Now on on draft day, which I think back then was what it was a bunch of days, two days. So. What's what's going on in your head? Uh, you, you know, because 
you did what? Did you do the combine, all that stuff, I yeah, assume? I played in, um, I, where it starts is that I missed almost half my senior year because of injury. I tore my hamstring. So um, that was like, that set me back regardless. Sure. And I didn't play the best my junior year. So I was like uh, kind of teen. I had a really good sophomore season and pretty strong freshman year. But uh, um, just in general, just didn't play, you know what I mean? Didn't play that well and didn't play. Now, my senior year, I played well when I played, but I was just hurt. So I knew that, a lot of teams had me as like a fourth round grade, and I was like, "All right." I did figure I would get drafted, but it was going to be later on. I wasn't. I didn't think at that point in time, just based upon the amount of film that I had, it was going to be first day. Um, but I did think I would get drafted, and so we did the whole family came over by the house, you know, just watching. I always told them, I'm. All, I don't really get caught up in the hype, so I'd always tell my family, "Listen, this is a business. It's a process, and let's just, you know, be a part of it. Let's just enjoy the process. And all I need is opportunity, whatever." And so we sat there and watched all these fucking guys go. <laughs> all these guys what's, go. What's going on in your head there? You're sitting with your families. You're watching other running baskets. Are you getting pissed? Are you disappointed? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I'm not disappointed. I got. Uh, I think I was a little pissed, and I, it just let me know how ridiculous. Like you know, like oh, this is so dumb. And because it's not, it's based upon what guys think. Like it's not based upon actual. Like, I knew I was better. You And it's funny. We could go to the combine. There were all of a bunch of us at the combine, like, you know, a bunch of backs. And I'm boys with all these different guys, guys who went first round, guys who went, you know, free agent. And we're laughing at dudes. And we're like, yo, this guy's trash. Like, we don't care. We're like, yo, he was a baller in college or whatever, or like, you know, got all this attention in college. But we know, mm, nah, not the real deal. And I went into the combine and just physically, I looked great. And I knew what it, it wasn't about. Like, I ran really well at the combine everything. I knew it wasn't about that. No matter what I ran, because I didn't really play, didn't have, they were like, eh, film's not the best. And I, but I knew, on person, I was like, I know I can get it done because I know who I am. And I know, ranking-wise, when I came in, I, I but all these guys. Um, but watching it, it was like, oh, this is so ridiculous. You know, and I think seeing, recognizing that oh, it's all about potential, and they're going to give guys what they think. So guys who have quote-unquote, like Maurice Claret. You guys remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. from Ohio, man. So people, yeah, yeah. He walked out of the combine. It was hilarious. He had a terrible combine. Like, he ran terrible. We were trying to work with him on how to run. Yeah. His 40, because his first 40 was super slow. And we were like, dude, you're coming straight up. Whatever. He was never a fast dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were like, you know, you got to, you didn't play, whatever, let's, like, work on some stuff. And then he didn't even do the drills. The only thing they care about in the, in the combine is the 40, and your drills. That's the, literally the scouts. They like don't even pay attention to anything. When the forty comes up, they all look up and they watch. And then the drills come up, they look and watch. Everything else, they're kind of jumping around. He just walked out, didn't even do the drills, and we were like, "Yo, this is crazy." And then I still see this guy get picked up third round or whatever. Me and I remember being like, "Damn, yo, like good for him." Like it's, it's nothing to do about the person, but good for him. But I was like, "Oh, this is ridiculous," because it's not really about quite character. Like no, sure. that's all bullshit, yeah. man. No one cares about none of that shit, yo. Like. And your character, all that stuff is relative to how much of a ball you are and how much they think they can get out of you. So um, it just let me know, like, oh, okay, cool. Like, this is just ridiculous, and I just have to, whatever was opportunity that the I guy, get. Was, was Claret the guy? Because I was going to ask you, is there one guy who gets picked, and you're like, okay, now I know what's going on. Yeah. Was it, it was, well, as soon as I saw Claret get picked over a bunch of guys, and, and me as well, and even though I, I knew I wasn't going, but I was like, damn, they picked him third round? My man didn't even play ball yeah. the year before. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. Literally, I remember this being ridiculous. But it, well, That's really, right, because Claret, Claret, didn't he didn't he take it to court because you couldn't go pro yeah, 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 unless yeah, yeah. you were, what, 20 or you had played you two had years? two years removed from high school. And, and he wasn't because he, 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 he just one did one year, year at Ohio yeah, State. So he sat out that one year. That's right. And then 
thought he'd be And you're right. And, and who drafted him, Denver? Yeah, Denver. The Broncos, yeah, he yeah, yeah. He took no signing bonus, which I understand what he was trying to do. He was trying to basically say, I'll prove to y'all that I can do that. But in this business, not a good, not <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. decision. You were sitting there going, get something. Not a yeah. good decision yeah. to make. So, so you don't go drafted, and then what's you, the? Uh, I gotta know because you said you had people over. Like, uh, what's the end, what's the end of the draft party like? Listen, is like, are people well, like, listen, well, you got some leftovers? No, that, you know, <laughs> that was what was hard because my parents took it really hard. They were like devastated, and I remember. I'm not really. I'm kind of an even kill type of dude, but I remember watching my parents like get up and walk out the room, and I knew. And every time my uncle, my mom, my dad, whatever got up out the room, they were going to cry. Because for them, it was like, oh my, they were heartbroken. Because they, you know, not understanding, they were like, does this mean, like, their son's not going to play in the league? They knew how important football was to me. And then for them, they were like, damn, is this over? And I was like, nah. And I knew what it was. So the moment towards the end of it, it's funny because teams started calling me. I think Cleveland, matter of fact, yeah, Cleveland called me and said they were going to use one of the picks on me, and they didn't. So I told them, they were like, what? I thought they said, and I was like, this is how it goes, man. Until you actually see it, until it happens. And in hindsight, you're probably like, I'm so glad. Yeah, glad, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's funny, I didn't actually, at that point, I didn't care. I just want a ball because I just want to play football. You know, and my mentality was, hey, I'll probably play four years in the league, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I'll probably play as hard because I also knew I didn't want to play past a certain age and my position. The way I run, yeah, the way I run, the way I, you know what I mean? The shelf life for for you guys is like, it's, I mean... You, you guys just the abuse running backs yeah, yeah. take, and I was like, the way I run is damaging just in you know in in itself. So so you go undrafted, and then the Giants pick you up, and you do their practice squad for a year. Yeah, I went. I, I signed with them. I was fortunately I was okay because I had opportunities. Of, I had like eleven teams, eleven twelve teams that wanted to sign me because I was a high priority free agent. Because so they were like, okay, cool, we don't have to spend a draft pick on me, but he's a guy that you know could potentially really help our team. So I kind of picked. And I picked the Giants. And, and basically everybody, when it's that kind of situation, everybody's kind of giving you the same offer, essentially? Or? Nah, that was what, so they offer you signing bonuses. Some teams were like, we got nothing. Some teams were like, we can give you 1500 The Giants gave me a lot, like 20 grand or something. I have to look at the numbers, like a lot. It was right underneath what the seventh-round draft pick got. Yeah. So I was like, I got a lot of money. Sure. When, I, when I, my rookie year, when I had to stand up and do the whole, not Hayes thing, but like, Chant, sing a song or whatever at the cafeteria. Yeah, you have to say your signing. But bo- when you're drafted and say your signing bonus, I stood up and I was like free agent. And I told my signing bonus. Everybody in the room was like, "What the fuck?" Because <laughs> they were like, "You're a free agent. That's what you got." And I was like, "Yeah." So I I got a lot of money. Um, but uh, they don't do that anymore. The the free agents get no bread. They get no money. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up signing with the Giants because I thought opportunity wise it was a good look. And I'm a local guy. Um, I know Coughlin like Notre Dame guys and Jersey kids because. He had always said that usually they're coached well because the programs out in Jersey. Are yeah, because you went to Don Bosco. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's like a New Jersey powerhouse. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like a, so, that's like a national powerhouse yeah. Yeah, high school. So we have a good program. So he knew like yeah. oh, he comes from a good quote unquote pedigree. Blah blah blah. And um, yeah, so I went there and so what, so what's that like for? So you do practice squad. What's the practice squad like for a year? Practice squad are the guys that basically are all the scout reps. Sure, they take all the scout reps. All the scout reps, <laughs> like every but, but, but rep. How was that for you? Because you go from, you know, you go from being you were weren't you were New Jersey Player yeah. of the Year, right? Yeah. So you go from being the star high yeah. school. You go to Notre Dame, obviously, you know, one of the biggest yeah. programs in the country. And then next thing you know, you're running scout team. Like, was that was that maybe somewhat of an ego check for you? Not really. 
it was it just put everything in perspective. Like you know, this is just is what it is. You yeah. know, I have to. I missed my graduation from minicamp, and Tuck was a third round draft pick. He didn't, and everybody was like, "How oh, you not gonna?" I said, "Listen, I'm not in no position." Yeah. They don't give a shit that I graduated from Notre Dame. They want me at minicamp. And I was like, Tuck can do that. He's got a little more leverage. You know what I mean? Like, that just is what it is. That's business. Yeah. And once you recognize that, it's not, this is not fair. There's nothing fair about this. This is what it is. I'm trying to do everything I can. I'm not in the same position. Like, I can't walk out on the field the same way that Tiki Barber walks on the field. I ain't done shit. And I recognize that. It is what it is. Um, I had to earn it. Also, I looked at it as, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> a redshirt year. Like, oh, I just get to get in wild good shape, and I'm not getting pounded on Sundays. Like, I can learn. And I saw, like, and I can see, like, where my deficiencies were and what things I needed to work on. And I also proved myself, like, oh, I'm a dog because these dudes are trash. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I can absolutely like play when with you're these. I can absolutely play. Defense, yeah, exactly. And that's what like, let me know. Oh, like, okay. my, what I'm getting rep-wise every single day and every week is such a high level because at the end of the day, when, when you're starting back, you're not getting that. You're, getting, you're playing the scout backs. So what you're getting is looks. The looks that I'm getting are game day looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was kicking ass. I so was now dominating are you, are you when you're running schedule, are you are you guys running the other teams' plays? Yeah. Are you like are they like Ryan's Clinton Portis this yeah, week? Absolutely. And- That's exactly what it's so I would be Clinton Portis, Westbrook, all these different guys at that time, and doing whatever the hell, you know. And I'm talking about like I'm with Scout Lyman. So I gotta make shit, you know what I mean? Like make get, shit work. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the cards they're drawn up. So it's like Meanwhile, hey, they're like, so we're cool. also like, falling you know out. I mean? It's not like <laughs> a, yeah, what Ryan's we're, doing we're, behind we're us. Doing our thing. Yeah. So I remember it got to the point that I built like it was almost like a, a joke. The the defense kind of enjoyed because they knew RG was gonna give give them that work. And like and I remember getting into it with a bunch of guys saying, yo, some of y'all overpaid. Cause I'm out here dogging y'all ass and I'm Scottback. Like, I, I go yeah. home. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I work from Wednesday to Friday, and then I'm kicking it, you know? Sunday, I'm at the, on the sidelines just watching the game. Um, so it, it put things in perspective, but then it got to the point that everybody's – I was doing everything. I was playing safety, scout safety. Oh, shit. I would just do – I would say, no, nah, I don't need it. Like, I'd be gotten such good shape, and my conditioning was so good. I was like, I'll do whatever the fuck you want me to do. And, like, it got to a joke. I was like – I'd run – I'd say, what do you want me to do? I'll play wide receiver. Fuck it. I'll just run a – I'd run past the safeties. I'd play safety and fucking pick off Eli. It became like a joke. Like, RG, at the end of our, like our exit meetings, I remember Coughlin being like, uh, Ryan, clearly you're the most in condition. You're in the best shape on this f- football team. And we think this will carry over into actual, like, next year you have a really good opportunity. Um, became a joke. Like, all the coaches were like, just give Ryan. Like, don't even, you know what I mean? Ryan doesn't need a break just because I stopped taking breaks. I didn't even need border breaks. So you, you, That's amazing. You, you, have a, you have a great year then. On then the practice squad, run squad, and scout. But yeah, but, fuck it up. But then what? What's the you know? Because you see shit on Wikipedia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you got two phones, by the way. This yeah, guy, I do. I'm this guy's got two I'm phones. I'm a douchebag. I got two phones. Yeah, yeah. This, this guy's got well, two phones. Well, he's running back. One's a running back phone. One's a safety phone. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, no, nah, one's trying to try out because my service sucks out here in LA. So I had to get another one to see. I love it. I love it. He's got two phones. So. What it, what happened? This you had like some freak injury in a nightclub. Yeah, in a club, man. I got cut on glass. How did this? How does this happen? Uh, was plastic involved? I had alcohol <laughs> in my system, unfortunately, and I got bumped in a club. I was with a couple guys on the team, and I put my hand back, went through champagne glasses, and broke, uh, severed up my forearm, and uh, like bad. Like, were you to the point? Because because what it says on Wikipedia again? Who, what did it say? Like that I was. It was saying that like. 
that what does it say? I think I put it down that that you could have doctors award you could have bled to death. Yeah, I was bleeding because of alcohol. I, I definitely they had to stop the blood. They had to go to I'd be rushed to a hospital to stop. And the that blood. you might not regain feeling in your left hand. This is in New York. Yeah, yeah this is in New York. Um, yeah, I uh, had to be rushed to a hospital. My teammate that I was with, Domaine Duckett at the time, I was with a couple guys, but Domaine Duckett was one of them. And he called the Giants and told them like, "Hey, Ryan got an accident, got cut." And they were like, "Don't let the sur- the surgeons at that hospital because they took me to the." closest hospital um nearest vicinity they were like don't let them touch him stop the blood but don't let them perform any surgery on him blah 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 just ship him to the hospital for special surgery which is this the hospital that um the specialist for the giants and uh i mean well, i'm going in and out because i'm bleeding death. yeah i got alcohol in my system and uh yeah so there was that aspect and they didn't. They stopped the blood. They me to. They sent me there. And I remember them trying to like stop me, like trying to say, "No, we should probably do this because of the damage that he has." I had major, major, major nerve damage. Yeah, I, I severed my tendon, my nerve, and my artery. Shit. Um, all three. And when I got to special surgery, um, they basically had said, "This is really, really bad." You know, especially when you usually they said you're fortunate the way it happened. Usually, when you get cut by glass, because glass is jagged, you know, jagged edges. It's like mush. And they were like, it looks, it looks like somebody cut you with a scalpel. They're like, it's really smooth. Now we still have to repair, you know, tendons are, tendons and nerves are small. You know, what happens is my scar, you, you can see my scar. Yeah, I was It's pretty mega. The it. scar itself, the cut itself was right from here to here. But because they severed my tendon, it snapped back and rolled up. So they had to find it. So they had to go in heavier to actually find where it was and vice versa on this side so the scars and I told the doctor save my tattoo <laughs> and I was like yo save my tattoo because it was new at the time like a douchebag it was new and I was like don't cut my tattoo and he was like alright we'll work it out um, he's like I'm trying to save exactly, your life yeah I know exactly how we're dumb priorities but uh, I remember when I before the surgery, and I can't remember if it was before the surgery or after the surgery but I remember talking to the doctor and I said cool, cool, cool. listen this is the type of guy I am don't bullshit me. Am I going to lose my hand? This is the first question I asked. Am I going to lose my hand? And he said, no, you shouldn't lose your hand. You should, your, your hand should be okay. I said, am I going to ever be able to play football again? And they said, that we don't know. A lot of that's going to be up to you and what you're willing to do recovery-wise and stuff like that, but also the healing aspect because people don't know your nerves heal um, really slowly and like a small, like every month it's like, half a millimeter or something like that um so i had to wait the process and just slowly slowly and did a lot of rehab major 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 i'd reteach every one of my fingers how to move shit every one of them i had to reteach i was in a, a sling like this and then it went from here to here to here to here to here and then all the way up and then i had to teach my fingers how to move um i still to this day i have no feeling in half my hand no shit. Now, when you get back to yeah. playing, that have an effect on you holding the ball. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, no feeling in half my hand, and I can't move my hand lateral. Sure. I, have, I have no feeling lateral, so I can't do any of this because the the nerve is the only nerve that I severed actually controls that side part and the rotary skill. So I can't play the piano anymore, unfortunately. So when you're <laughs> when you're Ryan, when you're rehabbing, are you? What's going on in your head? Are you thinking I'm going to get back to playing football? Or yeah, are well, you just like, I want to get my hand held? I probably had two weeks where I felt sorry for myself. And I was like, 
oh, this sucks, and blah, 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 right when things were getting ready. You know, basically I was being told, like, that next year by coughs and a lot of coaches, like, yo, you're going to make this squad and you're probably going to be our third down back. Like, you know, everything was going, like, yeah. really well. And then this happens. And I'm like, fuck. And I remember I met with Coughlin and Coughlin was like, you know, like, really? Like, you know, I, knew, I love it. I, I like this aspect. Like, Coughlin doesn't really care. Like, he was like, you just screwed up your opportunity. Like, we'll see. Okay. And do what you got to do. But So then they, they cut you? Is that how that works? No, nah, they put me on a non-football injury. Okay. So I was still technically a part of the Giants, but just not really doing anything with them. And uh, I uh, basically was like a year of rehab. So I said for two years, I mean, two weeks, I was basically like sulking, blah, blah, blah. And then I literally was like, you know what? This is unhealthy and I can do this and I can sulk and people people will feel sorry for me and I'll that'll be my story oh woulda coulda shoulda Ryan great I have high school blah 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 great opportunity with the Giants a little bit it just never panned out because of this who you know what what would have happened who knows or I can own this and be like I did this shit to myself I put myself in a situation so get yourself out of it and really prove to myself everything that I've told myself since I was a little boy of like I manifest everything in my life me, I grant my own wish. I have a tattoo on my back that says I grant my own wishes. And I was like, you know what? You think you're the shit? You think you can make this happen? Make it happen. So I literally was like, I'm going to take everything that happened to me and change my perspective and what's the positive in it. So same thing. Like I was like, all right, this is another year where I'm not like my body has never since I was nine years old been used to for a year not getting hit. Just playing simple because I've been playing football since I was nine years old. So I was like, oh, my body, I can rebuild my body into whatever I want it to be. Size-wise, strength-wise, I can do things. I can do the things that I didn't do in college, which got me into college. And I was like, I was a speed guy. So everything was, I was a track guy. So I was like, I need to be as fast as possible. I want my legs to be as strong as possible. Basically, I was like, I'm going to build myself back into a machine. And nobody's going to expect it, blah, blah, blah. And I did it. <laughs> and I literally came back. And they used to call me the ghost. Because when I came back the next year into the locker room, they were like, oh, RG. Everybody was, you know, my homies that I yeah. basically was like, I, did, I didn't want any part of it. I just wanted to kind of like seclude myself and just do what I need to do workout-wise. And um, when I came back, it was, uh, yeah, just like, all right, now let's work. And the big in my, I had markers. And my first marker was getting past physical-wise. Because that I didn't have necessarily control over. I was like, I can look phenomenal. And they could just say, nah. We're good. And I was like, fuck. But I told my mom, I remember the day that we had physicals, and my mom said, okay, how you feel? And I'm like, I'm ready. I said, I've done everything I can. So now it's just, we'll see what that what happens. And I went in, and I remember I had to, like, kind of finagle it with my hand because they ask you, they're like, oh, strength-wise, let me see what you got. And I don't have any strength this way. And are they focused? Because you, you see this when guys get, uh, you know, signed at a free agent, traded, whatever, that, that he didn't pass his physical, and the whole thing goes backwards. Are they focused on your hand? Are they like, oh, cool, you look good. Let, now let's really get into this, this to left arm? To some degree. A lot of people kind of rip, wrote me off regardless. So I also knew that the way the mind works in regardless is that if I look awesome physically, eh, you're not going to too much. You're going to be like, damn, yo, this guy looks like a machine. And I yeah. was as big. I think I was like 230, like rocked up. I'm super small now, but I was like 230, rocked up, swole. Like, you know what I mean? I looked the part in all the ways. And outside, visually... If you were just talking like this, you can't see anything wrong with my hand. Now, if I go detail and I tell you, hey, if you look at my hand, there's no muscle in this hand. Yeah. You see how there's, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. all bone, there's no muscle because that's the muscle that this nerve never healed. But I can make it work. 
you know, I'm doing everything I can talk, I can do everything, I can hold things, I just can't, like, ladder, I have to pay attention more with it. So there were certain things they tried to do, and I was like, oh, yeah, and then she did it, and I was like, oh, that's the only thing that I said, strength is still coming back there. And because they know that it is still healing, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, that might, that, that should come back. But it, it never came back. And this is right before the 2007 season? Right before the 2000, yeah, this is right before 2007, the off season of 2007. Okay. So, so you passed the physical. Passed the physical, and now it was like, okay, cool, now it's just on me. Because now... As according to everybody else, I'm cleared. I'm just a regular football player. So now I just need to go out there and ball. And then when did you? So then when did you get traded to the Packers? First day of the regular season, I got a phone call from Jerry Reese saying I made the team. I got a phone call an hour later from him, and I don't remember who the um, head of uh, player personnel was at the time. I don't remember his name. Uh, the two of them called me, and they called me and said, "Hey, man, you know Ryan? We told you, you know." You're everything we're looking for from the squad, man. Like, really, you're you're what we want. You're a New York Giant. You you represent everything that we do. Work ethic, blah blah blah. You worked your butt off to come back. You killed this this preseason, woo woo. Um, so we have it's kind of bittersweet. And I was like, well, what's up? And they were like, you know, you're on the team, but you just got traded. And I'm like, you made you like you made your team, but you just got traded. And I was like, what? And I it, that immediately made me think like, oh, this is straight business. Like it has nothing to do with their attachment to me or whatever. I'm a like a commodity. Yeah, I'm just money. And I remember the funny thing is that my uncle was in the background on the phone with one of my cousins. And I remember, I hear him saying, yeah, we in there, baby. He's a giant. He made the squad. <laughs> and I remember just yelling back, no. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I just got traded. And he's like, what are you talking to where? And I said, and I, so I'd asked him like, well, where? And he's like, I said to Green Bay. And so when I told my uncle, I said, Green Bay, my uncle says, what the fuck is in Green Bay? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Brett Favre. That's it. I yeah. don't know anything else because I didn't. I didn't know anything sure. about the Packers. And um, so they were like, you know, we really appreciate everything you did. And he, Jerry Reese told me, and he said, you know what? Honestly, Ryan, it's just a money thing. He said, what they're willing to give us is worth more than what you are right now. And he was like, and you'll probably get more of an opportunity because, you know, we were stacked backfield-wise at that point. Even though I knew that I could compete and we were good. Yeah. Like me, Brandon, Derek Ward, Tiki had just retired. They had traded for Ruben Drones. Yep. And Ruben's my guy, but he knew he wasn't better than us. So. <laughs> um, but uh, so it was what it was. So you go to the Packers, and uh, who, did they, who did they have? Where, where, was you, where were you on the depth chart when you go to the Packers? Bottom. So when you start, you're, you're like the third, third back? Third, fourth back. Yeah, they didn't have – they had a bunch of young guys. Okay. Um, and uh, So how quickly – do you being there, knowing you're on the depth chart low, how quickly do you size up those other guys and you go, oh, this is going to work out, I'm better than these dudes, or was it just a matter of the injuries that, that happened above you? Uh, I'd size guys up, but I also knew that that's not necessarily how it goes right. because there's investments. I'm still bottom of the depth chart monetarily as well. Right. So, like, they have a second-round draft pick. That's money. You know, so they're going to give that guy an opportunity. Um, I remember when I was my... My rookie year, Tiki and Strahan used to always talk to me about, like, because they would see what I was doing. They'd be like, RG, I know you're frustrated because you're kicking ass. Just stay patient. Just do your work. Stay patient. And when the opportunity comes, just make sure you're ready to go. So I always looked at it as that. You know, I was like, okay, cool. This is an opportunity. Even Jerry Reese said, you're probably going to have more an opportunity to play with the Packers. He told me that when he left. When I flew in there and I was like, all right, I have no idea why I'm here. The Packers were one of the teams I met with at the Combine, and I remember the running back coach, Edgar Bennett, was like, oh, no, like I like you, blah, blah, blah. And they called me at draft day 
to try to sign me and everything like that, but they weren't willing to give me a lot of money. And they were like, we really want you. And I was like, if you wanted me so much, how can we use a draft pick? Like, you could have drafted me. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that was my thing. Like, yeah, don't tell me that. Like, it is what it is. Like, sure. I, I understand the, that aspect. Um, but when I got there, I said, you know what? Let me just work as hard as possible, earn the respect of the teammates, that they just show that I'm a worker. You know what I mean? And then go from there. And um, it, everything will work itself out. And I did. You know, I lived in a hotel for the first six weeks because I was like, I don't really know how this is going to go. So I just stayed in my hotel room, which was probably about the size of this room. And um, maybe well, it was- But let's talk about Green Bay. So you, you go to Green Bay, and I've, I've never been there either. But you should go. It's like, what, what is that like? Because... And also, the, the contrast, you're leaving New York yeah. and going to Green Bay. And it's not like you left, yeah. you know... Some some other smallish city. You're leaving the number one city to go to basically like a, a small town in Wisconsin. Small town, yeah, yeah. hundred thousand people. And that's what I'm saying. You know, they say they say during Packers games, you know, the majority of the town. Yeah, it's it. Sound town shuts down. Is at the game. It's like a college town. So so you're there, and do you think maybe that helps you focus though more because you yeah, have I'm sure you absolutely have, you have no distractions. No distractions. I don't know anybody. I don't know yeah. anything. No like, nightclubs to get hurt in. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> there's just nothing. At that point in time, like, I, I let go of everything. Like yeah. I wasn't into any of that. Once I decided, like, oh, I'm gonna do this. Like I don't drink. I haven't drank since that night. No wow. shit. I don't drink alcohol anymore. It's just nothing. Like I'm, I'm cool, man. We, we, yeah. I, I had a, I had a bad brain injury. Oh, and I haven't drank since. See, when, once the, once the doctor told me that, like, I could have lost my life, I was like, oh, I don't need this shit. It's not that important. Yeah, like, who gives, like, it's not that serious. I'm not the type of dude that I didn't drink to become. I get it. Some people need to become socially comfortable. Not me. I'm cool. Yeah, I just tell more jokes, so I'm fucking, I'm good. <laughs> so, so you're you're in Green Bay. You're living in a hotel room, and you're just you're just focused, obviously. You know, on the team and just building back your career, and then you just like mid mid through the season, right? And then through the rest of it, you just explode. Yeah, I started. I yeah, it it um every week they were giving me a little bit more, and they would say, "Hey, cool, first week this is what we're gonna do, RG. You'll probably play special teams here and there, Um, maybe two or three plays just to kind of get your feet wet with with Brett, blah blah blah." and then I think the second week I played, I ran the ball once. Uh, and then just slowly, I know we, the, the second or third week we played, actually the second week we played the Giants. And they were like, I got to go back home and play against my guys. And they said, we're going to give you a little package here and there. We're gonna. So they gave me a screen pass and I went for like 40. And this is really, and it, it kind of made me feel good. It like just so that all the, it was still all love that I went down the Giants sideline and ran over one of my boys. And then when I got to the sideline, all the dudes on the Giants were cheering. Yeah. It was kind of fresh. You know what I mean? They were, I just left yeah. and they were my boys. So as mo- I just did something and had a good play on their defense. But they were cheering for me. All the dudes were jumping. All the guys on offense were like, yeah, RG. You know, we kicked their ass that game. But after the game, it was good to see all my guys and everything like that. So each week they kind of just brought me in, brought me in a little more, brought me in a little more. Because they said, like, okay, this guy could, you know, he can contribute. And um, the game, I think it was week what seven or nine or something like that? We were Monday night or something. We played Denver, and they said, "RG, you're um, you can do all third down. You'll be the third down back for us for everything." So, so I told my family, "Hey, man, just you know, I'm doing all third down, so I'll be in the game pretty consistently." And my uncle was at the game with one of my cousins in Denver, and uh, second series, third series, something like that. Our starting back, Deshaun Win, gets hurt. And I'm a, this is a funny story beforehand. So I'm playing special teams, and I'm on the punt team. I'm the gunner on punt. And because I'm doing the third down, 
third down, we don't, we don't get the first down. I go on the sideline, and I'm sitting on the sideline, and punt team is going in. And they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, RJ, what the fuck are you doing? So I'm like, oh, so I get my shit to go, I run out there. And I run on Gunner, like, as he's snapping the ball, I'm running down. I, I get washed to the sideline because I'm out of position, blah, 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 terrible play on my end. And I get to the sideline, and the special team coach is reaming me. Oh, she get your fucking head in the game. Wow, 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 Get your fucking head in the game. You get your shit together. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, all right. The next series, they're like, RG, you're up. He's down. You're up. Now you're the back. And that series, I, like, ran for, like, 40 yards during that. So something like crap broke a bunch of runs and everything like that. But I was, we were balling. I think we scored a touchdown. When I came into the sideline, the special team coach was like, the special team coach says, my stock, he's the best. He was like, RG, you're all fucking special teams, brother. You keep fucking doing your thing, man. You get your head in the game. It was hilarious. He like flipped his whole script, right? Right. It was great to see that. And then um, from that point, I never, I was a starter. And then you were like, I think you need a new gunner. Yeah, I was like, yeah. They were like, you keep, you, you're on special teams. You keep fucking running that ball, brother. It was great, man. And then I never played special teams from that point on. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you, your numbers that year, you rushed for almost 1,000 yards and you only started seven games, which is, which is pretty remarkable to yeah, get, so, yeah. you know, over 900 yards, only starting seven games. Yeah. So, so, you, so you have a great year. You, quote, unquote, burst onto the scene. Yeah, no, I think I had almost like 970, something like that. Yeah, nine, almost 1,000 yards. But nine. what's it like? I got to add, I mean, I mean you because you had, it's so cool. You played with Favre and Rodgers. Yeah. What, what's it like playing with Brett Favre, first of all? It was great. Um, Favre helped me a lot. You know, he, was, he, he took me, he helped me a lot. Once he recognized, like, okay, this is going to be our guy, um, he looked out for me. He did. He, he, he took me under his wing and was willing to give me little things just to make things easier for me. And, you know, I don't, at some point in time, I'm sure you'll ask about the playoff game. But uh, he was the guy. It's, it's funny. You think I care about the playoff game? I'm, I'm more concerned about something else okay. with Brett Favre. The dick picks. Dick picks. <laughs> Good old dick picks. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're on your... First of all, that was his Jets time, you know? Wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, oh, actually, that, friend, yeah. I'm actually friends with Jen. Oh, that... That was yeah. that was oh, that you're right. I'm I'm wrong in my timeline. Yeah, yeah. But but I want to ask you though, because I can still ask you this. <laughs> I've said on our show, Ryan, you know, completely completely off topic. I've said Brett Favre made sending dick pics mainstream because he was a legend. Do you think that's true? Do you think? Well, say that one more time. I, I think what? I think Brett Favre. Is it, you think he may have sent him because of who he is? No, I'm saying I think he made it. He more, put him on the map. He put. He's the, uh, he oh, put, you think? Oh, oh, he oh, put cool. dude sending dick pics because he's a oh. Hall of Fame quarterback. I think he made it okay. He's like the Neil Armstrong of the dick pics. Yeah, I think Brett Favre. He didn't make it okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's okay. You can get us all fucked up. Um, <laughs> I, unsolicited, like uh, yeah, un- if it's not asked for, it's not okay. But. uh I don't know. He made, he definitely brought more attention to it. Like you know what I'm people, saying? he let the the society know, like, oh, yeah. this is a real oh, this thing. Is the that's thing happening people do consistently. But that, but yeah. That's my point. Like nobody was sending, right? Nobody was sending dick pics. No, they were. Yeah. 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 The DPS were I mean, always getting you, sent. You, you look at Brett know. Favre with a flip phone. I, yeah, I that's think, what I'm saying. Brett Favre is not. It. it wasn't like he's the the younger generation but, to know. But yeah. but he's more. He's more of like he's the first. I'm trying to get the man subscribed. He's the first high profile guy. Because think about it, like afterwards, you have Anthony Weiner and all these different yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, Great. Maybe, yeah, okay, yeah, I can say he was, probably was one of the first high. Like if there was a guys. Mount Rushmore dick picks, you got to put far. Yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, he he would be one of the first guys, the frontiersman of right? uh, <laughs> of uh, of DPS. But he he seems all jokes aside, he seems like a, I mean I could be wrong. You don't know. He seems like a chill dude, like a yeah, fun he dude. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a fun guy. Um, absolutely. I, I, he wanted to make things fun. We'd have a lot of jokes at practice, uh, and I think. 
He was probably always like that, but of course it was escalated just because of the position he was in. He could do that. He's Brett Favre. So um, a lot more people were comfortable with him being a lot more lax on certain things. Uh, competitor like no one other, like no other. And uh, like I said, he looked out for me. He didn't have to. I was really appreciative because, you know, recognizing that he was kind of on his way out and, and, and at the end of it, he could have just been like, this is just another young kid that kind of like, who gives a shit, like whatever. Like, but he talked to me a lot. You know, um, he brought me in on a lot of the the stuff that a lot of vets, him and just a couple of vets were doing. You know, I, I got to eat with the vets. And that was different because people didn't even know, the rest of the team didn't even know that Brett, every once a week, would bring in a catered, his own chef, and have in the back. And people didn't know when one day the equipment manager says... Like the you? VIP area. Yeah, it was great. No, literally. Like, that's exactly what it was. One day, the... the um, oh, damn. What's going on? My phone's going off crazy. Brett Favre's like, Brett stop Favre. talking about dick pics. Brett Favre sending you dick pics right <laughs> now, as we oh, speak. Fuck that, that's terrible for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, one day the equipment manager says, RG, what are you doing for lunch? And I'm like, uh, going to the cafeteria like we always do for lunch. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, come in the back after, before meetings. And I'm like, what? And he go, I go back there, and they have a full spread catered service of all these different foods. How many guys are in there? It's probably six. Yo, this is wow. fascinating. Yeah. Donald Driver, uh, Bubba Franks, um, the, the, uh, Chad Clifton, like all the, you know, the guys. The all, dog, all of right. Brett's all guys. The, all Brett's skill, skill All of players. Brett's guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A um, couple guys on defense. but all, leave all it all a pair of Wranglers? All of Brett's guys. <laughs> no, he did I, You know what? I wish. I wish he would have left me a pair of Wranglers. Um, the equipment guys. And then the guys from, we were playing, I think, um, a Monday night game because it was, uh, Boomer was there. Berman, um, Chris who, Berman, who, Chris, sure, Berman yeah. Chris Berman was there. All the guys who get who do who come in to basically scout us and do the you know yeah. get their information for the week for that next game. They were all there eating, ch- chopping it up, and I'm like, "Well, I'll be damned. This is yeah. what goes." And they were like, "Yeah, hey, RG, keep it." You know, so but that's, that's when Chris Berman's going. I talked to Brett this week. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, talked yeah. to him in his VIP yeah. lunch room. Wait a second. So this is fascinating to me. So so Favre has this like catered meal with the chef VIP you know, back room. So do other players in the Packers not even know about this? Yeah, nobody knew. Like, not there, they just didn't really know. I'm going to be honest, I took my plate. Like I had to society. go to meetings. I had to go to meetings. So they were like, I was like, well, do I just, they were like, no, nah, you can take your food. So I took my plate and went back to my meeting room. And when I went to the meeting room, like, where'd you get rich? clearly I had food that <laughs> wasn't in the cafeteria. Yeah. And they were like, RG, where the fuck did you get that from? I'm like, uh, like, I got asked to, there's a, another meal I got asked for. It. And they were like, what the fuck? And, and EB was like, hey, man, if y'all ball out, maybe y'all, like, it was kind of like, hey, man, perks of getting a job. Yeah. Done. So it worked out. And then, you know, you got to see, like, I remember one time I walked back to get something done with my equipment. And I walked back Brett's office. That you guys remember you hear about that? Brett yeah. had his own little, little office. I, I didn't know about it. So Favre had his own office? Favre, first of all, he had his own shower. He had his own, a shower with the coaches outside. He never showered with us. And I used to always say, man, where the fuck is Brett after practice? Because he's ne- we never see yeah. him. Like, the moment practice, I'm like, we never see him. And they're like, oh, he doesn't shower with us. He showers with the coaches. And so he had that. But he also had an office. He would hang out. He didn't hang out really in our locker room. He hung out in his office. Um, and the office was right next to the equipment room. The equipment room's office. The equipment manager's office. And I remember one day, he was like, we were in there. And he's like, RG, what's up, man? You want, like, a beer or something? And I was like, nah, I'm cool. I'm just talking to Red. I'm just going to get to the Red. But I was thinking about him, like, this fucking guy. You know, he's just created such an environment for himself that, like, it's like, 
do what he wants, man. Now I gotta ask you because you're there when the when the crossover happens. They they draft Rodgers and he sits, and then there's yeah. these years where Favre's retiring. He's not retiring like every year, right? Every, yeah, every yeah. year. And I remember every year it seemed like during training camp, this is the story in Packers camp. Where's Brett? Who's starting? What's going? What is going on in the locker room for the rest of the guys, especially somebody who's on the offense? When every year it seems like. Brett Favre's holding the training camp hostage with. Is he signing? Is he not playing? Is he going somewhere else? Yeah. What goes on for you guys? And and is anybody like, let's just move on from this. Let's get Rodgers in here. What do you see from Rodgers in practice? Like, what what's your headspace like? When, well, when fortunately, happened? I was only there for one year when that all went down. I heard that, um, you know, everybody kind of got used to it, that none of the players actually really, because they were like, this is kind of like an every year thing. Um, the year that, that next year, 2008, uh, I was actually not even around for majority of it because I was holding out. For, yeah. I was holding out for a new contract. So I'm actually very fortunate that that whole thing went down because it put my situation under the radar. Yeah. Because I would have gotten blasted by the fans and by the media if Brett and the whole Aaron situation didn't go down. Uh, I was like second fiddle. Well, That's let's great. Worry about the, you know, it really worked out for me because actually I didn't know when I was going to go back. You know, my holdout was really based upon the fact that I held out off of, I played in seven games or nine, yeah. whatever it was, I played off. And I was like, nah, I don't care. Like what I did, I deserve a new contract. It was really based upon nothing. And my agent was like, nope, I dig it. And I knew, listen, I'm at an age where my position if I wait another year, they're going to tell me that I'm that much older and blah, 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 blah. I saw all this stuff and a bunch of guys that year got paid. Marion Barber got paid. So I was like, nope. Statistically, I did exactly what he did, probably more um, based upon the amount of time. I just kind of knew my my worth, but I was in a, I didn't, hadn't really done much. So it was kind of like unprecedented work, you know, especially my situation. So I was super glad. I was like, fuck it, cool, man. Like with the whole breath thing. Do whatever they want. Um, <laughs> but you're right now. And I forgot about that too. The, the far thing, everybody's talking about that. Is he playing? No one's talking about your holdout. Nobody gave a shit about it. Like, you know, here and there, you would hear something about it. And I remember being like, good. And my agent said, this is a good thing for us because, you know, like anything in the business aspect, they know how to, you know, corral the media in and they'll use the media against guys and stuff like that to make sure that, you know, to basically make guys crumble and to give in and stuff like that. Same way. So we actually use the media's distraction and the fans being distracted as, you know, like, okay, nobody really knows that Ryan's not really not there and deciding to not be there. And technically they, you know, they can't find me because I didn't have a contract. My situation was really, really different. Um, so finally what happened was Jason Wild, who's a beat writer for the Packers, one of my guys because of this, they sent me a contract offer, which was trash. It was like a signing bonus for like a million dollars, and it was less than what Brady Papinga was going to make. And Brady's my guy. None of this is personal. But it was less than what he was going to make. Brady wasn't even guaranteed to start. They went public. The Packers went public saying that they wanted me to be their franchise back. Once they say that, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, once you say that, then you got to pay me. Like, I'm your franchise back. And when they sent that offer, they gave me that offer. I was like, this is absurd. And then they offered Brady. I was like, wait a minute. You're offering me less than what you're offering a dude that's not even guaranteed to start? So my agent went and spoke to Jason. And Jason told Jason the situation, saw it. And Jason was like, whoa, this is shit. And he got on ESPN and said, listen, normally I never get involved 
in holdout, contract stuff, talking, any of that shit. He's like, but this is absurd. The Packers are talking about they have a back that they want to make their franchise back, this guy that can come in and do a bunch of things and elevate their offense. And they offered him this comparatively to a guy, Brady, who's a solid backer for us, but, you know, role player, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't make any sense. That's absurd. Didn't go over well for the Packers media-wise because now all the fans are like, what? This guy's not even in here. You're talking, we need this guy, blah, 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 blah. Like, are you kidding me? Get this shit done. The next day we had a better offer on the table. And that's how you look at You can see that in any part of the world. Influence is a, embarrassment and influence is a major thing. You know, it does, it can do solid numbers. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, we got we got it done. And I think the next day we were going to get it done, get the deal done. So you get a new deal and then and then Rodgers comes in. And then you get Rod. So what's the difference? What are the biggest differences? Because obviously we all just—I mean, you can you can see it. What are the biggest difference between Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre? Uh, I think Aaron's a little bit, not a little bit. Aaron's approach is different. Aaron's no nonsense, serious, get yeah. it done. He's a he's a character. Like he's willing to crack jokes and everything like that. But he's about getting it done. Let's get it done and then crack jokes. How's you know his I mean? VIP lodge? He doesn't really have VIP lounge. No right? office. <laughs> yeah, not a, no, no, he's a he's a he's a team guy. He's in a locker room. He's a, yeah. he's with everybody. He don't have a VIP. Lounge. I'd like to see now um, what kind of changes. Now I'll, that I'll he's go back there. now. In, yeah, yeah, now that he's ten years in, now that he's got a you know um, a, a little bit more invested and in stuff like that, I'd like to see what the differences are. But uh, nah, he was always about um, about the guys in the locker room and the guys on the team. You know, my his first year in two thousand eight, he pulled me to the side. And he was like, RG, we need each other. He's like, I need you just as much as you need me. I was like, well, relatively speaking, you <laughs> yeah. don't really need me. But I, I got it. And it was because it was his first year. We want, You know what I mean? There were things we needed to do. Did well. you know at that point in his first year starting in 2008, did you know how good he would be? Absolutely. You could see it? Well, I, we well, could I, see it in practice. Yeah, I was going to say, when he's backing up Favre, is everybody going like, well, like this guy's got a real case? Oh, absolutely. You could see in practice the stuff. He, you know, he's a scout quarterback. Sure. It got to the point he would do things just to be a dick. To the defense, because he would throw balls, and the coach would be, had to stop practice and be like, "Mike would say, stop doing that shit, Aaron. The other quarterback can't throw like that. <laughs> yeah, like you can't like you know. Oh, like the guy he's supposed the to be guy he's supposed yeah, to be yeah, yeah. yeah, he would throw balls, and we're like, dude, what you're the not fuck? you're it not that's crazy. Not how yeah, it was yeah. Just, yeah, that's yeah, not what Jason like, Campbell exactly. Do yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so it got to the point that you could see some of the shit that he he was doing um, that was just absurd, and then. In 2008, we knew it was going to be, you know, a learning curve and everything like that. Um, Would for you the, guys go like six and ten? I yeah, six and ten. I but it was like we lost like four games, Close like the last ones. series yeah. of the game. So it let us know like eh, we're just not finishing, but like we're we can ball. And you could see during certain games, Aaron would do things that was like, holy shit. Just throw certain balls that you're like, people, guys aren't throwing balls like this. You know, like putting balls in positions like this, throwing balls that hard. I remember what opening, no, when it was open night, but one of the games, on it was a night game, he threw a ball, he got hit as he threw it, and he threw it sideways, like slung it in between two defenders and hit our fullback, Corey, um, Corey Hall. And it was, it got to the point that we were so, like all of us were like, yo, yeah, touchdown, but did you actually see the throw? Like, the touchdown is great, but did you actually see how he did? We don't even know how he did this. And it just kind of built on that. And then we knew that once he got his confidence around, like, oh, I'm better than all of these guys, and not just, like, close better. I'm better than all these guys. 
you can just see it. He can do things that other quarterbacks can't even do. And I think that what that did was, fortunately, Packer fans got so used to having a guy that could do magnificent things that if, like, if at any point in time he throws an interception, they're like, oh, suck. I'm like, listen, this guy's throwing balls. Your expectation is so high right now yeah. that, like, if there's any drop-off, you're like, what is this? This is trash. I'm like, his trash is better than 99% of dudes in the league. It's just that his best is, like, a whole other conversation. There's, like, quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the league, and then there's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And I think Tom Brady's in there because of what he's done win-wise. But ability-wise, there's Aaron Rodgers. There's no comparison to any, there's nothing. It's, it's absurd. You can't even compare anybody else from a physical stature, like what he's doing ability-wise ability on the field. There's no comparison. So we have to go back a little bit because you already alluded to it, but you had the playoff game the, oh, fuck, against yeah. your boys. Uh, in the snow, oh, they shit on us. Yeah. Uh, what what was that like in the in the in Favre's last? What what ended up being Favre's last Packer game? Yeah, um, it was rough. You know, we had just come off a phenomenal win against the Seahawks, uh, broke all these records. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah. that was that was your that was your first playoff game with the play the Seahawks. Against Seahawks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because you and I, I remember this. You f- you fumbled it what twice in the first four minutes? Twice, in the first three plays. First, my first three carries were two fumbles. Two fumbles in the playoffs. Yeah, you, in your first playoffs. To then, be fair, they were both in your left hand. You're still getting some muscle. No, there, first right? play I was fumbled. I was uh, a, 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 a like not a screen but like a pass, and I knew it was a lateral. Ended up being a lateral because I was the way I bended, and so like bobbling it, bobbling it, and then I got hit. And the ball went down, and then he, you know, he took it up for so a touchdown. So and then you, I fumbled. So you start, play. You, you, you have an, just the worst possible start you could have. The worst. The like, worst. The worst. And then you fucking go <laughs> off. Right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you fucking lose your mind. You end up rushing over 200 yards. Yeah. Records for, you know, one of the, if yeah. not the most storied franchise, you know, in the NFL. Dude, talk about that emotional roller coaster that, like, what's, what's going and, on and in your head? And does that, my question is, were how much of the success is because of the fumbles? Like, is it? Are you like, oh shit, I gotta really no, no, turn I don't, it up. I don't. I, well, I, I felt like, all right, I need to turn it up. But it was more like, let's just stay, con- let's just get it done, like one step at a time. You know what I mean? And then it got to the point like, all right, next carry, hold on to the ball. Next carry, hold on to the ball. I knew we could run all over them based upon what we saw during the week. So it wasn't a matter. And my second, my run that I didn't fumble, I gained like nine yards. So it was like, okay, like I just need to hold on to the ball. If I hold on to the ball, I'm gonna, we'll do well. Uh, I didn't think that, I never questioned myself because it's part of the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've had, in college, I had a game where I fumbled three times. I was devastated. So it was like, well, this isn't the worst. Yeah. You know, this is playoff time. It's something there. I've never been in the league in this in this situation. But, okay, this is pretty terrible. And we're down 14 nothing. Fuck. But I always felt like, you know what? The bigger thing is you just might not get an opportunity. Like, the coaches might say, fuck it, pull them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, it is what it is. But if you get another opportunity, make sure you make the most of it. And um, Brett pulled me to the side. And Brett was like, listen, if anybody's used to fucking up. <laughs> It's me. If anybody's used to fucking up in big situations, it's me. There's a lot of time left on this clock. Like, literally, the game had just started. We still were down 14 nothing. <laughs> the game had just started. It was almost like the game didn't even start. And he said, uh, there's a lot of time left. We're going to get this done. He said, you know, of course, we're in a hole. 
it's not how you want to start, but we're going to get it done. Let's just stay on the course. He said, I'm with you. I got you, boss. And he was, the coaches never once said anything about pulling me, about changing the game plan. And we went and we just kicked their ass the rest of the game. And it was got to the point that it was like a joke. Like, we're just out there having all types of fun. And, you know, I didn't even play. I got pulled halfway through the fourth quarter. Like, I didn't even play majority of the fourth. And, but it got to the point we couldn't even see the field. I broke a run. My last run where they pulled me, I <laughs> broke down the sideline. I thought that <laughs> out of bounds was here, but it wasn't. It was where they had scraped the snow. So yeah. I stopped running. I cut in, and they were like, why the fuck you cut? I was like, how's that? They were like, that's not a bound. The bounds over there. I could just ran down the sideline. <laughs> so the coach was like, you're done. Like, they pulled me. And it was just a fun game, you know, and it set things up for the next week. My boys from the Giants called me. I remember they were in meetings, and they were like, RG, what's up, yo, congrats. Uh, about 200 yards. And they were like, you think you're going to do that against us? And I was like, nah, I don't know, whatever. Like, fuck you guys. I already knew where they were going to go with it. And they were like, nah, we're ready to see you. We'll come see you next week. And they did. They got it done. And, uh, yeah, what's that game like? Because that was a that that was an overtime game. That's the yeah. What was it? I mean, just cold weather like it that. Was, like that was, was that, that game, was a game you know where Collins' face is falling off. Yeah, it was cold. Um, not a, not the coldest game that year for us, but it was cold. It was cold as shit. And I remember straight in. Mike hit me on a play on an inside zone play. Came down, crashed on the line, and hit me. And oh, it fucking hurt so much. It like piercing the way I hit the ground. I was like, oh, and he on the he's like. Yrg, that hurt me too. Oh, while he's on top of it, he's like, "Fuck, man, that hurt me too." Um, and I, t- I actually talked to him about that a couple months ago. He was like, "Yeah, I remember that fucking hit." Um, they got it done. You know, we always knew that. Like, like anybody knows, the worst thing you had, the worst thing you wanted to play is a team that you never want to play a team that's on a roll going into the playoffs because they feel good. You know what I mean? They feel good about where they're playing. And the Giants were on a roll. They were kicking ass, that whole thing. They were wild card, just steamrolling every team they went into. And uh, we knew they were feeling good. And we were like, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a, like a grudge match, just like get after it, like a physical, who's going to punch whoever in the face. Um, and we were in it. You know, we were still in it. And it wasn't like they, that game they didn't beat our ass. It was just a matter of um, they, offensively they beat up on our line. Um, I tell this, they dominated our line of scrimmage, but we were still able to make plays. And, you know, right until the end, we thought even going into that first part of overtime, we were like, oh, we got this. Because it was the same mentality that when we won that Denver game in overtime, my first start, my first game. And um, we uh, we had opportunities. And Brett, Brett threw the ball to the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's how yeah. it goes. That's how now, it goes. you know, you talked about Rodgers and, and how, how great he is, and Brett even saying to you, like, if anybody's fucked up, big, you know, big moments. Yeah. What, what's, like, the, the mental difference playing behind a guy who, like, that's part of Brett Favre. Brett Favre's going to throw a pick, but he's also going to make a play. Yeah, he's yeah, He's going to throw one lefty backhand. Yeah, you know, across Brett, the, Brett you might know. hit you with one of these. Yeah. You never know, but at the same time. When, when, that's, that's when, uh, when a guy like Brett Favre, who's got his stats and his resume when he makes a play where you're just like, who's he throwing the ball to there? What, like what's the, everybody's still just, I mean, everybody's team far of all the time. Well, I, like, I think that we saw in that game, that was the first time that Brett looked old physically. You could look at him. He was cold the entire game. He was actually cold the week before it snowed, but you know, if it's snowing, it's not that cold. Because yeah. <laughs> it's precipitation, right. so it's actually it wasn't that cold during sure. the game. 
that game against the Giants, it was cold. And if you look at we had another game in Chicago against the Chicago Bears where we got our asses whooped. We'd already clinched everything, and it was kind of a dud game, but we still wanted to win, and Brett played terrible. I think he had like two picks. It was a terrible game. He was cold. And in that game against the Giants, he looked cold. He looked old. He looked like he was just worn down, like he just couldn't get it, you know. So it was one of those things that was kind of like, oh, you could see, like, age taking a toll on him because of the weather. Um, and that was what it was. You know, you're still going to play with it. You know, I always tell people when you, you live and die by, same thing, man. So if you're, if you're going to have a guy who's, you know, a gunslinger like Brett was, that's it, he's a gunslinger. Gunslingers usually, they die by their gun. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And it was what it was. So um, we were just trying to, what happens is having a balanced offense, a good run game kind of mitigates that. It kind of keeps everything, you know what I mean, as, as much as possible. But we couldn't get it done running-wise. We weren't really running the ball well that game. So we had to kind of figure out other ways um, to get it done. So the, so the Super Bowl season, how bittersweet was that for you? You get injured the first game. First fucking game. Jesus first fucking game. Christ, can't catch a break. the injury bug just gets you again you get into the first game then you're out for the rest of the year yeah team you guys go talk about you're talking about the giants went on their run how hot very similar yeah yeah, how hot you guys got yeah was was unreal yeah i think they won something like eight like six straight seven straight something like that yeah Yeah. and then you know they were the i think you guys were the first six nfc you're the first six-seeded nfc team to ever win the super bowl Yeah, yeah, yeah and and you go on that run um but what's the, what's that like for you, Ryan? Because you're you're watching from afar because you're injured. Yeah. Like, like like what's going on through your head mentally? Do you feel you know the team wins a Super Bowl? It's your first ring, but it, is it kind of like well, shit, man? You, you, you know, you you gave so much to that team up until that point and up until that season, and then you get injured again. Is it is it kind of bittersweet? Yeah. Like absolutely, just because any player knows. You care a lot more when you're playing. Like, it's, you want to play, you know? And I get it. You're a part of the team and everything like that. But in that year, we lost something like 16 guys. Like, damn near all of our stars yeah. went down. We were playing with a B squad that stepped up big time and just played phenomenal. And that was reassuring, and that was a great thing to do, be, to, to see, because you watched a lot of these young guys just play their hearts out, step up big time. And development-wise, like, it was it was great to see. Uh, but in the same breath, it was fucking hard. You know, it was hard knowing, like, damn, we built a lot of shit, and you're watching these. It's funny, it it was more, it was harder when they were losing, actually, initially, in the thing because it was like, fuck, man, we felt like this year coming off of 2009 when we lost that shootout, we were like, oh, we got a squad. So in 2010, we kind of knew, like, oh, we had a squad, and then when we were losing all these games, we we're like, damn. So when they started winning. We were like, okay, we getting this, we getting this. And then when you start to the point, you're like, oh, shit. Like, there's a good chance we might we might actually win this. And you're like, oh, fuck, you're not a part of this. And I'll tell people that it was actually harder. The NFC Championship was harder than the Super Bowl to which, be a part of. Which was that? Was that against we the, played Bears? the Bears? In, in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah, that was another cold game, too. Yeah, and that was actually harder to be a part of it, harder to watch than it was the Super than the Super Bowl, because the Super Bowl you're 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 so in hype, you know what I mean? You're like you're all pumped up, it's energy, blah 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 blah. You just want your team to win. NFC Championship, it's like all right, this is still a straight grudge match, you know? Like let's get after, and it's the Bears, blah blah blah. And I remember when the game, as soon as the game ended, 
me and a couple guys, we look around. Guys who are, you know, I think it was me, Nick Barnett, Jermichael Finley. And we look around, and guys are jumping because we're getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. You know, guys are super excited. Oh, blah. And I start to look at some of, like, Donald Driver, Clifton, Chad, Tauscher, all these guys that um, were my guys, you know, and the vets. And I knew that, like, tail end of their career. And uh, I'm thinking in my head, damn, this is probably my last opportunity to go to the show with them. This is, realistically, like, you know, this might be my last opportunity. And I don't get a chance to, to participate in this with them, to go down this road. Because that's what it is. It's all about the, bro- you know, the brotherhood, like, trenches. That's why, I like, they become our boys. Because you work, you sweat, you shower, you brush your teeth with these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? You spend family. more time with these dudes Except than you do with your actual family. <laughs> but you, exactly. But you spend more time with these dudes than a lot of your times with your family. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they really are your brothers. And uh, so not being able to part of that, it was like, damn, that was hard. Like, fuck. Yeah. And then seeing how no matter who I was on the team, I'm, you know, leader, blah, 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 the running backs, whoop woo because I'm not in a uniform, you're overlooked. It's like tumbleweed. Because mentality-wise, when the game ends, the first people you're going to go to are guys that have on shoulder pads, are guys that have on uniforms. So you're seeing all these guys hug, and blah, 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 and we're just getting watched. Now, it's me, Jermichael Finley, and Nick Barnett. Three starters on yeah. the squad, and we're just watching. And we're like, damn. And for me, it wasn't even like a, it's just kind of like, this is what it is. Like, fuck, man, this is just the nature of what it is, the nature of the game. My coach, yeah, my running back coach didn't even say anything to me until we got back into the locker room. Damn. And it wasn't even, like, it wasn't anything personal. It was like, no, yeah. I get it. You're focused on the guys that are playing. You're focused on the guys that actually Got it done for you. And that's how it is the moment. The moment you get hurt, it's such a big business, the NFL, and there's so much invested in the business aspect that they can't, they literally can't afford to worry about the guys that are hurt. That's why, like, the moment you get hurt, it's like, oh, oh, next man up. Because literally, the demand to the game, the demand for their job is like, we still have to win. So I can't invest any energy in, like, that aspect. I got to invest on who I have. These are my guys. Let's roll. But but I think that's a that's a we talk about it on our show. I think that's an element a lot of people miss. Just the common fan is the injuries and you know the next man up mentality and especially your position. Yeah. I mean, running back the the abuse that you take on every week, every Sunday, every Monday, whatever the game is, and that's obviously one of the big controversies with these Thursday games. Guys don't have rest, yeah. especially the skill guys who are taking the hits. What's your body like, Ryan? Like, what is your body like after a Sunday game or even, again, the next day? I mean, how, how much pain are you in when you're getting out of bed? Uh, pretty, a lot of pain. <laughs> you just get used to it. You get, uh, you learn how to deal with it. And um, I used to tell people, I remember one day in practice, Mike McCarthy, our head coach, asked me, he said, RG, when do you start feeling better? Like, how do you, when, when do you start? And I said, um, Thursday, halfway through Thursday's practice. I feel good. And he was like, really? And I said, yeah. I said, Sunday we play. I feel shitty. Monday I feel shitty. Tuesday I get a good workout in. I said, Monday I get a good workout in. Tuesday I get a good workout in to flush out some of the stuff, whatever. I'm getting treatment both those days. Wednesdays, fuck it. Then it's our day off on Tuesday, but nobody takes a day off. Wednesday I'm uh, back to work, but 
slow, you know what I mean? Like trying to work things out and everything like that. Things are hurting, running and stuff like that. Thursday, as we're starting practice, still fun still the way. As Thursday practice towards team period at the end of practice on Thursday, I'm oiled up and I'm ready to go. So, you know what's amazing to me <laughs> wow. to, having a having a running back here is yeah. you you see these adjustments they're making to the game like okay you can't hit a receiver high because they're you yeah. know they're holding the ball and they're defenseless and uh, you know the don't hit Gronk low because you're take, trying to take out his knees don't hit a quarterback low don't hit a quarterback anywhere yeah. it seems like the running back is the one position on on the field that has the ball still where they go do whatever you want just get this guy down hit yeah, him high hit fun. him low. As like as a running back, do you look around and go, "How come everybody else is protected?" But no, I I don't do that. I actually, it's funny. I'm one of the offensive guys that doesn't really play into this whole safety first shit. Yeah, like listen, it's football, and my job as a running back, I believed, was to gain yards, not to worry about who was blocking, gain yards at whatever the whatever. There's no limitations as to what I, I was all about. They're trying to punish me. I'm going to punish them first. And I'll do whatever that takes in regards to, like, me being aware of how I'm going to get hit, different positions and everything like that. And I've been, you know, put in awkward positions, but I was like, damn, like, that's part of the game. It is what it is. Like, I also know that if you slow the game down on their end, they're in, in compromising situations. Because now there's an advantage to... It's the same reason why I hated playing in mud. Because it slows the game down. <laughs> like, yeah. as an offensive player, we know what we're doing. We have an advantage. Let them play as fast as they want. We have to, like, you know what I mean? They don't know where we're going, so they have to play even faster. That's the nature of the game. You slow it down for them, now it's dangerous for them because now they have to answer around on certain things and they're not in position to make the play. So I'm, I'm not for that. Like, me and Thomas were actually talking about that. Me and TJ were, were talking about that. I'm actually... When it's real live bullets, when it's like when the game's at their speeds, like you have to play fast or everything becomes dangerous. And one little like, because at the end of the day, if they don't make that play, guess what? Nobody gives a shit that they, oh, they, they tried to protect him so they missed the play. No, what? You you lost your job. Get to the back of the bus. And, that, and that's the thing, you know, and everyone always wants to talk about it. Like, and we talk about it, it's like it's this weird gray area with the NFL. I always say they got, they have one foot you know, in the water of, like, we're trying to protect the game. And I always say, it, it's a violent fucking sport, right? We all, we, what we, is, we, that's what I'm saying. Like, we all know this. Like, you you guys, like, you are a gladiator. Like, that's basically what you are. You, yeah. you, you're a badass fucking gladiator. And this whole protecting, I just, I agree with you 100%, Ryan. I just don't know what they can do because athletes are only getting... Bigger, stronger, Fat, yeah, and faster. Gonna change. And the equipment's getting. We're not better, evolving you know? yet past the point where our tendons are becoming short. like we are. As long as we're bigger, faster, stronger, and the game changes, stays the same way. Guess what? The hits and the injuries are going to be worse. Yeah, that's just physics. I mean, if you, <laughs> yeah. If, if you, you look at this year, look at how. I mean, it seems like now just every guy, like yeah, every it is, name, because in the our bodies aren't evolving just yet. It is like it's just the nature of what what comes along, and there's always going to be from the dawn of history. Gladiators are gonna be around. There's always gonna be the type of, and I get it. They have to. The NFL, from a business stance, has to keep one foot in. Trust me, they don't want to. Sure, they don't. They don't want to change it from that aspect. But the dollars, to some degree, are telling them you got to change it. And what I think is that you know what? Then the game has to evolve. And what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe a a derivative of flag football. 
I don't know. And I don't mean, I know I'm not jokingly saying that. I mean, right. I'm saying that in regards to like less of a contact sport. Like you see how the game is changing just in how it's being played. Like it's, it's very much now it's bang, 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 bang. We live in a, a world that is really instant access is fast, fast, speed, 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 internet. Boom, boom. I want everything quick, fast, quick, fast. And that's how the game has to be now. You know, it's a very different, you know, the plays are faster. Everything is just all around speed. Um, you talk about all the teams that would run in fast offense. We would always count. We were all about how many plays we can get off in a series, how many plays we can get off in a game. It's, you know, So, it, like, I, I, the game is, is changing. I'm interested to see what the game will look like in 15 years because I think it will be very different. Um, I'm not personally. I think that, you know, if you're calling it football, like football it is what it is, it's a dangerous game. It's, like you said, it's gladiators, and the game is going to be played high speed unless you don't you reckon you're putting everybody else in in the players you're putting them in damn like you're putting them in compromising situation to be hurt like you gotta go fast like go hard or go home is really legitimate because if you you know, like for instance in new york drivers you're, you understand yeah the most dangerous driver it's exactly. not the assertive drivers in new york it's the timid driver who's not from new york that comes in there yeah. and is like this and the reason why is because he fucks up the groove of what the fluid, you know what I mean? There's a fluidity in New York, and there's a groove and a flow in New York of drivers that understand, like, yo, get in where you fit in. Like, when you're passive and you're not assertive, that actually causes causes accidents. And when you do that to the game, when you try to slow things down, it, it's it's bad, man. It doesn't allow people to kind of, you know, they're, they'll, they'll work it out because they're professionals and because they're top-notch athletes. They're going to figure out how to, whoa, adjust that leg, lift that. We used, I used to talk about it. I played faster when I was hurt. Because mentally I knew, oh, shit, I'm injured, so I got to lift my leg up faster, like play, you know what I mean? Like, or, or get off the field. Like, I can't play anymore. I can't play at that speed. Get off. Like, you know what I mean? Go. You got to adjust. And that's, like, the game should absolutely, to me, whatever, I get it. It, it, should, be, uh, it should be played at a high speed. Like, injuries are part of the game. Our whole thing, guys weren't necessarily, for the most part, none of us are pissed that we, we got concussions. Like, yeah, we don't want to get into the, all the, in, the trauma, blah, 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 blah. We were just mad that they lied. Yeah. They were full of shit. Right. That's it. If they would have told us, yo, this is what it is, guess what? 98% of the guys would still would have said, okay, cool. Just don't bullshit us and say, no, 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 you're good. No, this is not what's happening. No, 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 you're good. Just go back. That's what it was. It was all the aspect of they lied. They told us something that wasn't was, and they were making money off of it. Like, don't do that. That's our issue, not around the fact that we know we're adults. And that's why I feel like it's an interesting conversation. Like, you know, I never took any PED or, or steroid or anything like that, but I'm not against them. Yeah. I think people, grown men, should be able to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah, and, and, and you bring up some great points as far as guys still would have played if they would have known. Absolutely. Because, because you know, you know what you're getting yourself into. But Well, th- that that brings up the question that I have because I agree with you. It, you know, first of all, I've said, you know, they could go to softer helmets, they could go to softer equipment, and, and they could slow the game down and they could make it go, this is how you have to hit and this is safer. But that changes football. I think it changes it from the kind of athletes you're going to get. It changes it from the, the who's going to watch it, how interested people yeah. are going to be. So I agree. I think football, if like you. take you, the helmets off, I do think that for kids, yeah, if you take the helmets off, the game will change. Right. But if, if you want to keep football the way it is and you go, 98% of the guys are still going to buy in and they're still going to do it the way they do it. And football is going to essentially remain the same. My answer is 
you have to take care of these guys then after the fact. You but go, you know won't. what you're getting into. They won't because that's not, no, why would they do that? In the business, why would you do that? Well, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess my point is they're getting to, they're getting to a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to go one way yeah, or the other. They're, they're, they're approaching the ceiling. And, and if, and if 98% trying. of the guys are going to say, we just want to keep playing like this, like what is what is your post career relationship with the NFL? You played a long time. To me, you should be at least physically. To, and now I'm not talking about like the the NFL's version of a VA. I'm talking about real specialists and real doctors forever. Yeah, that's no, what I, you I, get, think you I, lo- I think I lose insurance this year, next year coming up. I that's think. so you offensive. Lo- that's to what me. I'm saying. Yeah. So you lose. You played. You played what? Seven years in the league. Yeah, eight. They. They awarded me. I played eight. Well, I was in the league for eight years. Okay, but so I played seven. Yeah, yeah. Seven. Okay, so you're in the league eight years. Yeah. You've been retired what five years? This is my fifth year. Yeah, it's your fifth year. So you're saying next year you're going to lose your health insurance benefits from the NFL? Yeah. And see, that's exactly the point Joe is making, which yeah. I agree. That that's total bullshit. Yeah. Especially it's they, such a big business. Yeah. And they can cut you at will. So it's not like you're the NBA or Major League Baseball where they're giving you $100 million and you're going, I don't even care anymore. I'm gonna, I have $100 million. You sign. You, it doesn't work out. Somebody comes in. Uh, there's an RG on the practice squad who can do it as good yeah, as you for half price. Absolutely. You're gone. That was part of the reason why when I, uh, the year that I signed back with the Packers, I remember I went, I tried out for the Giants. And running back coach was there, my guy, you know, and it's my guy I still keep in contact with, Gerald. He's one of my favorite coaches. And I remember when they, I worked out with a couple guys. I worked out with one guy who was on the Packers with me. And when we got done, my coach was like, the running back coach of the Giants was like, RJ, you were the best back we have. They were like, but we can sign three guys for the amount of money that you need to make. And I was like, I dig it. It's just the business. My minimum was, was almost a million dollars, basically a million dollars. I was a vet. And all those guys were young dudes, so they could sign a dude for 400, 500, 600 grand. And they, to signed, me, they signed two guys. Yeah, to me, you look at that, I feel like that's a trend that's also happening in the NFL now where Yeah, we coaches fucked are, it up with yeah. the collective bargaining agreement. So that's what, all, <laughs> yeah, we that, fucked that's that what up. all goes back to, the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, we fucked it up. But do you think that will be, they'll go back and make some corrections? when they, when, When's the next one? 2019, I think? The next one comes up. I think it comes nineteen or twenty. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Nineteen. I don't remember something like that. Will it? Will it be so difficult then for the players and the NFLPA to go back to make, to basically right some of those wrongs? Because I yes. feel well. I, this is what I think. It's always going to be difficult until the players actually recognize their value. Plain and simple. There is no NFL without the players. It's just an idea. <laughs> yeah. If there's no one out there running around, you have no game. You have a talk. You have a bunch of people talking about an idea of a sport. You actually need the players, though. And guys just don't... I, you know, I don't know if you know the stories of how it all went down, but I can give you a little quick rundown. We were actually winning. We were in a position where they were sweating bullets. And it's crazy. You know, they set up, so I think two years before that, and they told us it was guaranteed, they're like, oh, this lockout's going to happen. Now, people don't, fans don't even know that we didn't strike. They right. locked us out of the doors. They told us we couldn't work. 
It's not a strike. We didn't choose not to work. They just said, oh, no, fuck you guys. Like, you can't work till we get this done. You guys can't even show up to work out to do whatever you need to do. So there's that aspect to just clarify some things. But then uh, we were winning because we were pushing for certain things and blah, blah, blah. And not to say I agree with all the things we were pushing for. Like, you know, I do think it should be guaranteed. But the, our union believed that that wasn't realistically in this term, which once you limit yourself, of course, it's not realistic. Yeah. What the fuck, man? I got... $30 million off of seven games. Was that fucking realistic? No, but I did it. Anyway, <laughs> um, but we were winning. And they have strategy teams. The NFL has strategy. They know what they're doing. You know, two years before that, our union took out money from all of our checks to basically prep us for this. Like, hey, you guys aren't going to be getting paid during this time. Let's save some money on the back end, and then we'll pay you out, you know, whatever, $10,000 every month for, I think, six months, whatever. I think it's like 60 grand they took out, which is, relatively speaking, the amount of money... Not a lot of money. And at the end of the day, it's good. But the moment said, guys aren't getting paid. So we were fighting through this. We were getting all the thing. And God, they're saying us, we don't really know when it's going to happen. I think we were two weeks away from the regular, I mean, the preseason starting. And we're still, we're holding strong. And Goodell sends an email to all the players in the league. Not the union, all the players. And in the email, it says, he might have sent a letter at an email, but I know he sent an email. And in the email, it says, hey, guys, you know, just want to let you know what's going on. We sent over a proposal to your union. And in that proposal, it was very fair for both sides. It was looking out on the best interests of both sides. And because, you know, our major thing is we just want to get you guys back on this field. And we want to get you back to playing the game that you love. And literally, this is what it said get you back to playing the game that you love and that we all love and we love to watch and blah, 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 blah. And we want to do everything we can to get you back. And in this proposal, we think that it's very fair for both sides to be able to do that. Your representation didn't even really look at the, turn down the proposal without what we believe to be even really giving it fair consideration. Which lets us think is, do they really want to do everything they can? Are they doing everything they can to get you back on the field? Is that their main priority, or are they playing this out for other motives? And I literally, I'm reading this email, and I'm laughing. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So he says, you know, just want to keep you abreast of everything, blah, blah, blah. Your commissioner, Roger Goodell. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Uh, I read the thing, I'm like, get the fuck out. Literally, I had guys calling me. Yo, is this shit serious, man? You think our union is? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? The same guy who's literally trying to take money out of your pocket. Who works for the owners. I was like, what the fuck are you? I'm like, and I'm like, and I get it. Some guys just don't know. They, you know, most of the guys I say just don't have no understanding of that aspect of it. They know football. It is what it is. It's nothing against them. It is what it is. It's just well, the nature to be of what fair, it is. Well, yeah. I mean, it just, it just is what it not is. Everybody, not everybody sit here for two hours most and talk people, like this. You yeah, know? but yeah. No, like, most people yeah. are. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, you yeah. grow very linear in one thing. If you, ask a scientist, somebody who took their whole life, you know what I mean? Right, Learn yeah. physics and everything like that. Ask them about something else. They probably won't know yeah. much about yeah. it. It is what it is. So, like, it's nothing, but it's just the nature of the yeah. business. They don't recognize that, like, no. And you're a smart guy. You went to Notre Dame, obviously. So, yeah, I see it right away. I got, like, oh, this is a tactic. Cool. Like, I laughed at it. And, but what happened is, is that because of that, all they know is that little chinks in the armor wear on the chain. And what happened is guys started to decertify from the union and say, like, nah, I'm not fucking with the union now. So publicly, it didn't look good. Wears down, wears down. And the ownership, they know. 
Well, we got them because now they're starting to separate from each other. They're not in this together. When all we had to do was be like, fuck y'all, play the game without us. Yeah, it's true. You sign that whole deal, play the game. They were no way they were going to lose out on the amount of money each week they were making. All the owners, you can't. They're not going to miss an entire season. I just tell them, I'm like, are you kidding me? You think they're going to let an entire season of football not happen just because of, no, no way. No fucking way. Even if they say, we'll sign it for a year, let's just get, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way. It's too much money. They're not even going to miss, time, we were, miss a week. I was just going to say, that point yeah. time, one we week. Were, at that point in time, we were worth, the league was worth like $9 billion. And they were projecting that in like three years it was going to go double, like 16. It was going to go to like 16 million. 16 billion, I'm sorry. What? Are you fucking kidding me? No way that these old white men are going to sit back and be like, nah, fuck it, let them go. No way, no, it just doesn't make any sense. But when you're cattle and you don't know that they need you. (laughs) But but don't you think, and and, and not to go, you know, because we can't have him here all day. That was, I'll be honest, Ryan, that was kind of my argument about about everything going on now. And I know it's easier for me to say as far as like the protests, as far as the kneeling. I I said, and I know you could never, Joe and I agree, like realistically, you just couldn't get it. But I said, even if you got half the guys to say, no one's listening, fuck you guys, we're not playing this week. I I just think the, the, (laughs) wouldn't they? That's with anything, though. But, But the problem is getting everybody on board. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. It's really hard, especially in America, to get anybody on board the same thing. We come right. from just so much of a mix of yeah. ideas, culture. Even in the locker room, right? Like, yeah, like everything. Yeah, it's hard. It's, hard. Yeah, so it's, it's a really people. hard to, and this is why understanding is a big thing. So I could, if I sat down, like culturally, if I sat down and explained some things to you guys, just in this conversation alone, you would be like, oh, shit. Some things that you probably might not have seen growing up or that I've sure. saw and everything like that. Same thing with my man. So it doesn't. But it's really around the fact that people just don't understand. Like, they come from this place or whatever it may be, you know, how they were raised and around what they've seen, blah, 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 what their experience was. And that's how they form their way of thinking. And I used to tell people, in regards to the protests, I'm like, listen, usually your loyalty towards anything in life is based upon your experience with it. Yeah. So if somebody has a different experience with the country, a flag, or whatever, they're probably, their level of loyalty is probably going to be a little different. And if you don't understand based upon what they've experienced, like, I don't, it's, it's really simple to me. Like, you can look, oh, you should this. I'm like, don't tell me what I should do based yeah. upon X, Y, and Z. Like, yeah, of course, if all the top quarterbacks in the league said, fuck it, we're not playing until there's a conversation, guess what? Right. Those owners would be sure. knocking down doors to have a conversation. Yeah. Just plain and simple. Because they can't, they need, but, I, but, Value-wise and priority-wise, it has to be important enough to actually do that. And it's not. I'm a, it is what it is. Like, I'm not saying it should or could or would or. Like, just acknowledge it. And it is what yeah. it is. Like, no, don't act like it's bullshit. I know part of that, you know, I have a little inside scoop in the fucking meetings that they did have with some of the guys. Some of the guys left because they were like, yo, it's bullshit. You're pacifying us. Because what they said was, oh, we'll, send, we'll give money towards these or charitable organizations and everything like that. All they did was they took money from something else. That they were already putting money. They didn't yeah, put more right. money in. They took like, money. We did the breast cancer thing for years. We'll, yeah, we'll they grab took from whatever here, they we'll said. Their amount hundred million. They took it from somewhere else. But then they said, "But guess what? If we're gonna do this, you have to stop all the other dumb shit. Stop protesting. Stop the fists in the air. Stop doing this. Stop." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, they're pacifying. This is what happens. They're gonna give you a little cash. They're gonna give you a little money. It's bullshit. And that's not really about the issue. And this is why I tell people: NFL doesn't really give a fuck about breast cancer. No." They don't really give a fuck about the military. They don't really give fuck a fuck no. about any of that shit. What it is is that it's money. 
And they need the fan base. They want them to feel empathetic for them to support them. Support them, support them. Like, oh, we feel for you. Oh, we're all about breast Listen, if you tell me that you feel about, you, you're all about breast cancer, but the moment that 30-day mark is up and I can't even talk about breast cancer or publicly do anything, you're going to find me? You don't give a fuck about breast cancer. Yeah. No, man. <laughs> Plain dude, and simple. Dude, like, we, it's, yeah. We've been preaching this all along. It's and that's bullshit, a, and It's total bullshit. It's and that's, business. And that's what I always Selling say. Selling pink jerseys for a month. Yeah. You they're know? not. They're not. They're just trying to give away pictures. No, no, right. They're not giving away no, all this stuff. No, and they're, and they're barely. We all know they're barely. I mean, it's out there. They're barely giving a percentage of that shit yeah, to anything now. as far as cancer Absolutely. research or breast cancer. It's it's all bullshit. And and even with everything going on now, I I always say you know because it's so funny. You see all the idiots, especially on social media. Oh, I'm boycotting. I always say bullshit. You're not. You're not. You're not. Because you're sitting there because you care about your fantasy team or your suicide league or your Whatever, maybe, yeah. Whatever it is, we're run by football. We really are as a country. And God's day, Sunday, used to be the day of the Lord. That's what I'm saying. So all this shit at the end of the day doesn't matter. We all love the game. And uh, it's just, it's like for me, I, I still, and I could be wrong, it's not going anywhere. You know, people say, oh, with concussions and CTE, and I'm like, I just don't think... Yeah, I just think, I think it'll change, but I don't yeah. think it's going to... Because at the end anywhere. of the day, there's always a market for the physical. Physicality is, in our world is always a market. No matter where you go, people want to see other people use their bodies, hit each other, blah, 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 and do all that other stuff. So it's going to be somewhere. Yeah. If something happens to the NFL and it ends up, you know, crumbling or whatever, something you can't, you have to have that because people like to see that. It's like in our nature. It's part of our DNA to watch well, that. It begs the question, too, because I, I, you know, everybody's always saying, oh, the concussions, this is going to, this is going to change. So, well, this is a 15 year problem, you know, whatever. And, and I think the, the issue the NFL is facing right now is a combination of the two things that we just talked about, which is, you know, you got concussions, you got injuries, but then you have this protest. And the NFL not giving an inch on it and not letting guys even basically you're saying you can't come here and have freedom of speech. If you come here and you speak about your opinions, we could get rid of you, blackball you, and you're not going to play. So 15 years from now, if you're the father, especially of a young black athlete, why are you pushing them to football? It's physically dangerous. It's it's emotionally dangerous. They're saying well, now you you're talking about bigger issues. Yeah. But now you're, there's other. Now you're talking my thing, right? That's but there a, are other. Big. There are other. You know, leagues that are a little bit more open. There are a little, other leagues that well, go. Well, we. You, you, but you. You're, you're but what you do is. What you do is you just you educate, and you prepare your child, and you say, "Hey, listen, this is what it is." As yeah. opposed to complaining. And this is my thing. Don't complain about the fucking NFL, and then be like, "But give me a job." Yeah. What the fuck? I hate what you do. I hate what you stand for. But can you hire me? I don't know. I'm not with that shit. Like, sure. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, the NFL is what it is. It's a business. So once you recognize that, like, my issue is not that they, my issue is you're full of shit. Like, I don't care. You could tell me, hey, man, we don't give a fuck about this. This is what it is. You're a commodity. Cool. Let's me move accordingly. Because I can pick and choose. Like, oh, I'm not participating in that. Like, I'm not participating in that. It was a lot of shit. I pet put a lot of money. I left a lot of money out on the table. Because I wasn't willing to do certain shit. And I knew. I said, eh, cool. I can't. That's not me. But there was also shit like, you know what? I value this more than I value this. Eh, I'm okay with it. I recognized really early, football's fucking nuts. 
And I recognize the whole culture of it was really nuts. The way coaches talk to players, nuts. It's a very, quote-unquote, southern sport in regards to mili- like the military aspect of, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh, you know, I don't play that shit. I'm from New York. I'm not yes, sir, and nobody. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't yes, sir, nobody. Like, I look you and I, there's a level of respect I have for you, coach, player, whatever it may be. I respect you. You respect me. We have that, that, that relationship. But I'm not that guy to be, but I saw it. I was like, oh, you guys are like sunning people. Like, literally, say son, boy, like that. I, yeah. I don't play that shit, you know? And, but I also loved football. So I was like, you know what? As ridiculous as some of this is, it's not ridiculous to the point that I don't want to play. Like, I love this game, and I love it. Now, the, even in the sport, I used to tell me, I play, I would play for free because I love the game of football. Now, do you- My market value, you got your mind. Like, everybody else ain't going to win. I'm <laughs> trying, trying, you know, trying to get my money. But it, the, game, the game is the game. NFL is a business. Because you, like, you know, as a player, and as, even as a former player with all that's going on now, it just must be so frustrating to hear and read on Twitter and read on the Internet every day people saying... These spoiled millionaire athletes, they're they're complaining they that they can't. Yeah, they just, whatever. It's like you know, my daughter's three. Some of the stuff she says is hilarious, but if she starts having a conversation, I'm like, oh, she's she's okay. She's three. Yeah, and from a sense of people's understanding, a lot of them are three year olds, four year olds, five year olds, six year olds. You very rarely do you get people who actually understand that aspect. And you do, you know, there are, but yeah. for the most part, fan, they're fanatical about something and they really just don't, they just like it. They don't understand. They're not, you know, especially when they put us up on a pedestal. So like anything, they idolize us. So they don't understand the human, the human aspect of like, oh, it's still bullshit. Like, don't think that we're not out here fighting for particular things or like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not all just, you know, shits and giggles. There is an appreciation, but I do think, okay, first of all, I think that most people don't love what they do. They don't even get a chance to do anything, so they look at us and they're like, oh, you get to do something so beautiful or like, because they hate their life. And so they look at us and they idolize every aspect of it. So the moment we complain about anything, and I don't even complain, like just show any issue about anything. Yeah, you're like, the bad guy. How dare you? Do you know what I would do, what I would give up? I'd give up my family to be able to do what you do. And I'm like, yeah, except for the fact that you can't do what I do. So yeah. listen, it has nothing to do with you like... You wouldn't give yeah, up your whole life to run and live and whatever. You can't. Yeah, exactly. It's not just the glory yeah, exactly. of the touchdown. There's so no much idea. goes like, into it. You wouldn't do this shit. Like, yeah. And it's, uh, there's, I have a bunch of boys in my neighborhood that athletically were way more athletic than me. But they couldn't get it done in the NFL because of the things that came along with having to be a professional athlete. My brother is way better athlete than me. More talented in every aspect. No way he could do it. He knew right away, nah, fuck that. I'm not willing to do particular things. And I was like, I get it. I know, no shame against, but that's what it takes me. There's a lot of talented people, but it doesn't mean anything, you know? But people just look at it as like, oh, it is this whole, you know, grandiose, blah, 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 blah. Would you, you don't have a son, do you? No, I have two girls. Okay, so you have two girls. If you, let's, let's just say if you did have a son, because a lot, you see this all the yeah, time yeah, now yeah, yeah. from, you know, from the LeBron James, the biggest athletes to whoever, say, I would not push my kid, to, my boy to, to football. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? I'm definitely not pushing them. Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, I would rather, you know, and I try not to get into the whole, because I'm very big on, like, personal sense of freedom and let my children, I'm big on, like, let them kind of feel it all out. Sure. Um, I'm just here to guide and just enhance their path. But uh, I would probably rather them not play. Um, But at the same breath, I won't be 
it would be very hypocritical if I didn't let them play. What I would do is very, my father, I come from a basketball family, so my father wanted nothing to do with football. But, and that made you want to play football. Well, no, my brother <laughs> played. But they made my brother wait until he was 12. And when I was at the practices, watching the practices and running around, and they would say, hey, Ryan, just stay here so we can see you. And, of course, I'm not. I'm running all over the place, over the fields. And I ran up the field and saw that they were kids my age. And I was like, oh, shit. So I was just watching. And what I started to do was I was just watching them play. And I was like, I can do that. Like, I'm, I was fast. So when they would run sprints at the end of practice, I would just, like, they were over here. I would stand all the way at the edge of the field so they couldn't, like, I wasn't with them. And I would just, when they would blow the whistle, I would run with them. And it got to the point the coaches would be like, they would see me and be like, hey! And I'd run back down the hill scared and go to my dad. And then eventually I said, hey, dad, man, you can see these kids up top. I'm big, I'm, I'm, they're my age, and I'm better than them. So my father was like, eh, and he went up there and he was like, oh, shit, like Ryan would kill these kids. So he told my mom, like, listen, Ryan is way better than these kids, blah, blah, blah. So my mom was like, ooh, and she was like, well, all right, well, let's just see. We play, I played one game because we had just moved, and my family was like, we're not going to the other game. We played one game. I had, like, four sacks, and I scored a touchdown on my first carry. So my father was like, oh, wow. We played that next year, did really well, and then I moved up a size. Age group, my father was, like, shook. He, made me, he didn't let me play that one year. I think I was, like, 11. But then from that point on, my father was like, all right, if you're going to do this, once I told my dad, I played every sport, basketball, track, baseball, my father said, what sports do you want to play? And I said, I want to do baseball and football. I mean, basketball and football. Those are my two loves. And he said, all right, if you're going to play football, we're going to work. Because my father is a big time, was a big athlete. And for him, though, he was like, the only thing I can control is work ethic. And I have to, like, pre- to prevent injury, to be as preventative as you can with injury, he's like, I'm going to make you as big, as fast, as strong as possible. So it was like a, it was actually like a, a scared defense mechanism for my dad to just have us work out a lot to mitigate the injury bug. So he was like, nah, I can't, you're going to get hurt. He's like, but I want everything to be as strong as possible. So if you do get hurt, it'll be less. If you do, like, you'll get hurt less. You'll, your injuries will be not as significant. And so we did that. So I just trained wild hard. And probably that's what I would do. I would probably just have my child just, like, be as equipped as possible. And, and equip them in, in the aspect of, like, you know, the business aspect and say, like, yo, you're going to step into you know, some realms where you're not going to like your coach. Who cares? Do you like football? Do you want to play? Is he the only coach you can play for at this point? Well, then guess what? You need to find a way to make it work. Take what you can from him and just play the game. I didn't like majority of my coaches. Majority of my coaches weren't even that good. You know, I had a few coaches that were really, really good. But I would just... I, 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 I was going to say, I, he's like, almost like, setting like, you up. You're, like, serving me up for one that I was like, I don't even know if we're going to get into this, but... You know, you were a Packer for such a long time. They have the guy that you say, hands down, the best quarterback in the league. They've got the one Super Bowl. They've got a lot of real seasons that are just plain old disappointment. And I will say this, even, and I I truly remember this from watching you play. I sometimes would watch the Packers when you were the running back, and I would go, man, and sometimes even against the Giants, I'd be like, I'm glad that they have just stopped giving Ryan Grant the ball. Yeah. I'm glad that they stopped because he, he was killing <laughs> us. Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Talking about. yeah. Mike McCarthy, to me, it almost seems like the, it, he's one of those guys who they have so much success, but they also have the best and of the best. Yeah. It's almost, I almost feel like Aaron Rodgers is regularly saving Mike McCarthy's job. Should they have been able to do more in the 10 years yeah, yeah, they've yeah. had the guy, they have one Super Bowl, 
they only have one Super Bowl appearance. I mean, at, like the Giants, uh, the other NFC Championship game with Rodgers against the Giants. Or sorry, that wasn't the NFC Championship game. But, but it was, was the, the, yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, the the round before. Major disappointment in terms of that they game. They beat our ass. That yeah, game. I, was, I mean, thirty-seven yeah. twenty. What was your record that year? Is that the year you guys were like thirteen and three or something? No, we were fifteen and one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the year we were dogging everyone. Shit. And it, it, it to me, like I, I, you know, I'm not asking you to throw your old coach under the bus. You have said so, you know, you've had coaches you didn't think were that great. Is Mike McCarthy? Is he like? Is he a guy who's maybe, you know, been carried by having some really, really good teams? I'm sure. Uh, you know, I like Mike. I've, I've always, uh, I've, uh, not to say I have a best relationship with Mike, but I, I did like Mike as a coach, and I think he was a fair coach. I think he was a player's coach. Um, but I think coaches get comfortable, and I think when you have, it's, it's, I don't know too many coaches that wouldn't get comfortable with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre because they can do so much. So, you, act, you know, we, and we realized that with Aaron, um, it was Aaron's world. So Aaron could do certain things. And, you know, and I can talk freely about it because Aaron's my guy. And I talk about, you know, we've had these conversations. And we always knew, like I said, Aaron was phenomenal. But we also knew that we made you better. As phenomenal as you are, we definitely make you a little, even that much better. Because um, you don't have to worry about certain things. We had squads, you know. I think we had like <laughs> two thousand yard wide receivers, a twelve hundred yard rusher, and like a four thousand yard passer. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like but yeah. like two years in a row, like it was nothing for us to have like these numbers. Um, our offense was crazy, and I think that we we were Mike was all about one on one matches, which I think was really really good. Having Aaron though, we did get away from the zone scheme blocking. That was really a strong for me as well. Um, kind of worked and played into my skill set uh, and just emphasis-wise because you didn't have to be as balanced because you had Aaron Rodgers. You know, we had this guy that could throw any ball and we had wide receivers that could go get any ball that were really, really strong. So um, it didn't it didn't force him to be, you know, like anything, when you get comfortable, things become easier, you know, you, you lose a little bit. When you're forced to grind out of situations and, you know, be as creative as possible because I don't have the best players in the world, how can I get the most out of every guy's? It was. It's, that wasn't a situation we were in. He didn't have to do that as much. It was kind of like, oh, we just believe that our 11 guys are better than your guys. And it's like, yeah, but this is the NFL. And everybody's really good. They get paid, and they're, they're reviewing film, and they're studying. They're doing their work as well. So we got to make sure every week we're coming with it, and we're doing everything we can to put us in the best situation. Um, I do think that defensively it was a little harder for us. Like, it... <laughs> That's where I think that, you know, quote-unquote, more of the ball was dropped. Um, Aaron hasn't has done all this, and offensively we were able to do all this without top ten defenses. You know, I think we might have won when I was there. Uh, so that's really what our thing was. We were all on offense. We were like, we're just going to outscore you. Like we said, we don't care if you score 30 points. We're going to score 40 now, yes, that's how our mentality was, and for the most part, we did that. We put up a lot of points, but at the same breath, that's not good because you're not going to score 30 points every game. Right. You need to have a defense that is going to shut you down. And too. later in the year, as you yeah, get exactly, better and better exactly, teams. Exactly, exactly, who are playing better. They're getting more comfortable. They're getting more of a groove. You need to have defenses that are going to shut teams down. So um, for me, it was like I think that, you know, offensively, it wasn't a matter of that we, you know, as a whole, for the most part, we got it done offensively. 
But we also knew that we felt as an offense that if we didn't score points, we weren't going to win games because we knew that our defense was going to give up some points and everything like that. Um, so it was what it was. But I, I, and I said, it, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like Mike. Loyalty is an interesting thing, man, in regards to coaches and stuff like that because it's, it's not always about the best coach. You know, you can see that. Well, you see, you know, you said Mike McCarthy's a player's coach and you see that more and more now. Like, I don't I don't know that there's as many young guys that come up like you that are going, you're not always going to like your coach. Your coach is going to be an asshole. Your coach is going to call you boy. And that's just part of like now it seems like a lot of these kind of old school, hard ass military style coaches, they show up, doesn't work out and they're gone because too many guys are changing. Yeah. yeah, like anything, you know, like, it's nah, a very old, like you said, that old military, uh, Parcells, Lombardi era, you know, those type of guys, um, even Coughlin. You know, I think Coughlin, it was, Coughlin had it, you know, at first, his first couple of years in New York were rough. And the reason why is because the, they were like, who the fuck are you talking to? Like, we're grown men, you know? And he was like, oh, I come from, you know, and it was like, straight hand <laughs> and Tiki were like, we don't give a fuck, homie. Like, listen. This is you're our coach, and we're gonna respect you. But you have to like allow us to be men. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't. I mean, that's the storyline that came out in New York. Was you know the Strahan is uh, getting fined for being on time. Yeah, because meeting, of, oh yeah, he's because not of, five uh, minutes early. TC time. He's got yeah. The, yeah he turns and then the they back. they even said a couple years later it was like he changed and started respecting us more, and we started Respect, playing yeah, for him more. And like there you go. And now so two had Super had Bowls. That conversation absolutely, and you see what happened. Um, and people, and they love Coughlin. And what they love him because they're like, yo, he treated us like a man like there. And I, I do appreciate that. I, you know, I didn't have the best personal relationship with Coughlin, but I always respected the fact that he treated those dudes like men and he told them what it was. You know, like I remember, you know, I was late for, I fell asleep in one meeting my, uh, my rookie year during Philly week. Now I'm a scout. You're like, well, I was also playing safety on the scout team too, so I'm a little tired. <laughs> oh, it didn't matter. So what? Yeah. Like, you know, and during Philly week, come on now, I fell asleep. And I fell asleep to the point that I had my shoes kicked off. <laughs> and you know how, like, you sleep and you hear something, you're like, I know they ain't talking to me. And he was like, Grant, Grant, wake the fuck up. Lights on. And he's, I'm like, oh. He's like, you fucking kidding me? It's Philly week and you're sleeping? I'm like, shit. He's like, get the fuck out. He's like, until you want to be in here and you ready, get the fuck out of here. And I, so I went to go get some water and I came back. And then we went to our team meeting. And, I mean, like, our offense, the running back meeting. And they were so clowning. that was Coughlin. Oh, yeah, it was TC. That was my rookie year. And they were clowning me. All the running backs like, ah, oh. TC was like, God damn. And I'm like, fuck. Because I'm thinking in my head, oh, I'm fired. I'm going to go to work today. You're like, and after practice, off. they're going to, after work today, after practice, they're going to send me home. Like, that's a wrap. I have no job. And my coach was like, listen, this is a, let this be a lesson to all you guys. Because I know for a fact that RG wasn't the only one sleeping in that meeting. He just got caught. And he was like, don't take this shit for granted, fellas. And that's why I love Gerald. I'm running back because he always, always, his whole thing was, I'm trying to keep y'all in the league. This shit is hard enough. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you guys in the NFL, whether it be here or somewhere else. He would prep us for all the stuff. And uh, so he said, RG, man, he's like, now you see. He said, I think you'll be okay, but now you see, man. Don't let it fucking, don't slip up like that, bro. He said, I don't care what, don't slip up. He said, I'm not going to tell you not to take, to go to sleep. He said, don't slip up to the point that you don't get caught. Is what it is. You get caught, own it. And blah, blah, blah. He said, you know, you should probably speak to coach. So what I did was before practice, I ran up to coach. And I said, Coughlin, I said, uh, 
Coach, I just want to totally apologize. I know it was unacceptable. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> like, and he looked at me like, come on now. And then I said, yeah, I said, it won't happen again. Like, I know it's just, you know, something that this is, you know, it's not in my character. And he was like, listen, you don't think you're expendable? This is what he said to me. You don't think you're expendable? He said, there's a million dudes on the street right now that are dying to have your job. He said, don't think, don't get too comfortable, bro. He said, we can pull somebody in anytime. <laughs> Keep your shoes on. And I was like, <laughs> man. I said, you're absolutely right. I understand that. And then he was like, all right, let's go go to practice. So I went to practice. And it was cool. But it literally was like, yup, that, and that's the truth. There's nothing. There's no lie about it. People might not want to hear that. They want to, nah, I'm not in there. Don't sugarcoat. Tell, sure. That's what it is. That was straight shooter. Straight shooter all the way. Keep it moving. Amazing. Yeah. Ryan. You've yeah. told us so much. Today. I know. I feel like we kept you longer you, than you, we were you, planning. You've given on. us so much of your time, and and, and I think I think now because because you, you you're now you're going to be moving to the Venice area. I think Joe owes you at least a few free surf lessons. We yeah, think, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get you out on the. They water. don't got to be free. They just better be good. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you surfing. I've gotten way less athletic people up on the surfboard. That's for oh, sure. There you go. Right. Cool. Have you surfed before? Once, I took a couple lessons, but I'll only say yeah, that I was actually surfing once. Yeah, where was that? You were in Hawaii or something? No, I was in Costa Rica. Okay. I was in Costa Rica for a while, and, um, you know, some of those those waves are pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it was so, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what, do you have, what do you have coming up? What should people be looking at you? Or do you want, you want, to, get, you want to get a Twitter plug in, Instagram? Yeah, you can plug my Twitter so people can trash me on my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is RyanGrant25, uh, just my name and the number. I'm not the kid from fucking Redskins, the kid from Redskins. <laughs> yeah. Every Sunday. You're the all-pro, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, every Sunday from uh, <laughs> whenever, the, depending on how he plays, I get tweeted. Regardless of how he plays, I get tweeted. Whether if he plays shitty, I get trash tweets. If he plays good, I get these congratulatory tweets. But um, they, uh, it's good, man. I enjoy Twitter. Uh, I think it gives fans a, an opportunity to be as ridiculous as they want. Um, well, some dirt balls, I'm sure, are going to be ridiculous. Yeah, in said, be as ridiculous as they <laughs> yeah. want, whatever. Um, and it is sometimes funny. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have to play into it, but uh, but it also there's an interaction aspect. I've actually met some really, really, really good people relationship wise through Twitter. Um, so it's been cool. But uh, my Instagram is Blue Boy RG, but it's like Blue Cheese B L E U Boy RG. Um, my Facebook is my my regular my name. All that I don't really talk on Facebook too much, but Instagram and uh, Twitter. I'm, Pretty active. So give him a follow. Again, it's it's uh at Ryan Grant25 on yeah. Twitter and Blue Boy RG on Instagram. Yeah. And uh Ryan, can't thank you enough, man. This is this has been fun. Uh, thank you guys. Ho- hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. And now uh, again, if you're moving to Venice, yeah, we, you know, we record- We didn't even get into Notre Dame. We yeah. didn't get into like I mean, it's, No, I definitely this. come back. Whatever. Yeah, I could talk yeah. listen. It's funny, I could talk about this dumb shit all We're gonna time. have to bring him in. <laughs> Because Andy always says Notre Dame overrated, so we'll have you back uh, yeah, to talk I love, about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I talk, yeah. I talk a lot of shit about Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it so, is. And I, and I also didn't even get to ask you because my, my boy, one of my buddies from high school, went there. So I always, so I've been up there. Okay, a lot. cool, cool. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's not that I have no experience. I would go up for at least one game every year in oh, college. No. Okay. And uh, man, there's some gross people up there. Ah, <laughs> you mean like looks wise? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, man, you spent time in South Men and Green Bay. Like, I know, right? Like, you, you had, like, the fat white people of America. Just That's why he's got a blue cheese listen. name as his Instagram. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. We, uh, it is what it is. Right? Man. Like, I kind of knew what it was, what I was going into. You know, a lot of my boys felt like they got hoodwinked. <laughs> they didn't know that they got, That's that they were going somewhere. Um, I just kind of made sure that 
whatever girl I was dating was like the best looking girl on campus. That's uh, amazing. But yeah, there's there's it's not it's not a place to go for lookers. No, no. we used to always enjoy when we would play USC when USC was coming into town because we knew that there were gonna be some uh, yeah women. That's funny. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that next time. We'll yeah. bring him down to uh, we'll bring him down to Smut Shack. Yeah. That's that's my apartment. Once he gets once he gets that, that, awesome, he gets that Venice like once he gets that Venice vibe, then he can't wait until he that. sees Savage Town. Yeah, where, yeah. where I live, we call it Savage Town. We should Savage we should we should yeah. take Ryan. Uh, we should like do we should film taking Ryan on a tour of all yeah, the, should, all yeah, the Venice should, yeah, spots. Yeah, take me around your spot. Your Venice Yo, spots. man, you you do that. We can make that a day. The back street where I live, Mildred. Oh my God! Wait until he sees that setup. Yeah, those guys that fell asleep in too many team meetings, they end up in tents on Mildred. Shit. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ryan. We really appreciate having you. Thank you so much. And uh, Dirtballs, enjoy the episode. Give Ryan some love on social media. And most importantly, don't forget, condoms are for pussies. (laughs) 